0: Welcome to the GCW Plants Podcast, Episode 38. With us again, Mr. John J. Wolf. How are you doing tonight, John? I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you doing tonight? Doing great. Finally got some time off. So uh, enjoying this little time of not working. And uh, can't wait to discuss GCW's America's Most Wanted from the UCC in LA. Can't wait to, uh, well, I guess we'll talk about now do a little preview of our draft that we were talking about on the last episode. Uh, the episode after this is done, we don't know when we're going to record it yet, but it will be before new year's. We are going to do a little, uh, non-show review episode for the end of the year. And we're going to do our GCW draft where we're going to draft, draft quite a few wrestlers and, uh, talk about our picks and probably argue about our picks as well. And, uh, And then uh, so we got that podcast coming up after this one. And then right before New Year's, we will do a um, kind of a draft review and maybe put our cards to do us create a super card of the drafts that we did for the GCW roster. And we will preview as well the New Year's weekend or New Year's Day or New Year's Eve show from GCW and the New Year's Day show that weekend. We will do a quick little preview of that as well as we head into the New Year's.
1: Okay, so what we're doing right now, I think we're looking at 30 each. So we're going to be going 30 drafts per uh, each of us here. And we're looking at any performer that has wrestled at least one time for GCW in the last two years. That's people who have moved on to other companies. That may be controversial picks. That's perfectly fine. We're trying to put together our own roster, and we thought that may be the best way to do it.
0: Yes, and uh, we got quite a few GCW regulars as well will be on there, of course. But uh, we will also, since it's 30 deep each on each side, that's 60 wrestlers. are uh, Our draft picks will be uh, kind of spread out all over the place, as you said. We'll pick some wrestlers that have had GCW <laughs> Uh, Been on the shows a couple times, been on the show maybe once. We were kind of talking about uh, some of the picks that we were discussing earlier before we started the podcast. And it is going to be a very interesting podcast that day. We might have to call that one Draft Day podcast because uh, GCW did a show Draft Day a couple, or last year. They did a GCW show called G-
1: Draft Day. You know, it's really going to be interesting because these lower draft picks are really going to expose a little bit about... Who we are, what our proclivities are towards, what kind of uh, performers we like to have on our cards. I think it may be interesting then for um for us to put together some cards and see what kind of uh, what kind of bookings we can put together out there. Yeah. So we'll- I think
0: that's what we're looking at, man. We always like to do the fantasy book in here, so uh, might as well just do a whole podcast on a on a dream uh, GCW card that we create with our rosters. I think that's going to be a very fun podcast to record but that will be after we record this gcw's america's most wanted from the ukrainian culture center in la and uh i went to the show i got there right as the scramble was kind of starting so um yeah before we go into the america's most wanted we could kind of talk about the pre-show stuff that uh We were discussing beforehand as well
1: yeah so there is something i do want to talk about before i go any further and that is a correction on my part on the last episode i was talking about attendance numbers at the ucc and i was off by about 150 which made sense because i was going off of either one old information or two my estimate was shit. i can't remember which one it was but the ucc holds about a thousand or a little over, um, this was announced in the beginning of America's most wanted. So I wanted to make sure I clarified that, uh, I was wrong on that one and make sure that I tell the fellow fans, right? Because it's only right.
0: Yeah. Uh, Thousands of people out like that was the most people I've seen and I've gone. So I did the math. I've been to nine GCW shows. I originally thought it was 10, but uh, I got so into one that I felt like I was there, but I never went to it. But uh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. I've been to nine GCW shows this year. Most of them are the LA shows. Um, but for all the shows I've been there at the UCC even counted last year, this was the most packed it's been. It was super, yeah, Super packed and once again the LA crowd is always super loud. And um a thousand, it seems like I don't think there was a thousand there, but I mean it was jam-packed. well, you know, so we're going be, by yeah. the you know the, the wrestling numbers,
1: but yeah, somewhere I know now. I remember I had read it was eight fifty. I can't remember what publication I was reading it from, but again, it's quite simple to have you know get a thousand out of eight fifty in wrestling. It happens, so oh, yeah. I don't know either way. I just know that the show said one thing. I read something else. I'm fairly sure the show would know their own, you know, GCW know their own numbers better than I would. But
0: yeah, better, better safe than sorry on this one. Um, It definitely was. Jam packed, though, because there was a uh-huh. couple that felt like this big, like at the end of last year, like the um, the Blood on the Hills, I think it was called um, with Jordan versus the barbed wire, the no rope barbed wire match that went, mm-hmm. felt like a super big crowd. But then I noticed like earlier this year when it kind of got to the coldest winter and like those shows at the UCC, it did seem like there was a lot more walking <laughs> space to go around yeah, the venue yeah. and stuff. But then when I got there, this one, I, I got in like right when the scramble kind of just started and there were still, I'd say, about 100 people outside of um, the UCC trying to get in still, which was kind of crazy because they opened the doors even 30 minutes earlier. They opened the doors at 630 for an eight o'clock show. So I thought maybe that would kind of relieve some of the stress about getting in and getting everybody in the venue on time. But. I got there at 8.05 and hopped right in the line. and There's still, like, at least 100 people outside. And then when I finally got to my kind of standing room only spot and kind of looking around after the scramble match and kind of stoking it all in, and I'm finally there and get to see what the crowd looked like, it was packed. It was yeah jam-packed, yeah. Packed and the variety of fans, like, especially the fans next to me, I was surrounded by a bunch of fans that knew nothing of wrestling, and I was also surrounded by fans that, knew of wrestling but knew nothing of gcw wrestling so it was oh, kind of uh how cool it was kind of cool yes uh hearing some of the comments but then some of them was kind of weird like this one guy was just during the the in my opinion probably the best match of the night the lucha match the uh six way uh the six persons uh trios match the, that they had the tag yeah yeah they're like this one guy's like, ended already ended. It's too long. We want stories. It's like, dude, I even said, I love like, dude, just go home. Like after like the 10th, 15th time he said, I'm like, dude, just go home and watch SmackDown. Then like, it's probably still long. <laughs> home. Like, everybody's like, everybody's cheering fight forever. And you're saying, end this, you're the only one cheering. Yeah, for the one guy. And so, Yeah. yeah. So there's always him. one. That was the one you happen to be right beside him. Oh my god. And luckily he did like leave my area after that match. So I don't know if like that comment kind of made him mad, but I could tell that other mm-hmm. people around him, like we all were just looking at him we, every time. He's like screaming and this match we're like, dude, shut up. This match fight forever. We don't want this match to end. So right. but then here in the other people's comments, I have no idea about wrestling like the, the big one was seeing Sawyer wreck. Like how over she is with non wrestling fans was insane. Like every right, of the right. male, female, all the people around me were like, "Oh my god, look at her! She's awesome! She looks great! She's fantastic! She's like dominant in the ring!" Like they loved everything about Sorry Rick. So that was kind of cool seeing a different perspective of uh, a view on a wrestler that we kind of know, and we have our own perspective of views here, and someone that had no idea kind of have the similar uh, feelings that we have towards the wrestler it was kind of nice seeing. So uh, the crowd was definitely packed and definitely diverse as well. Uh, The only other thing I'll really mention about about this before we
1: kick it off is I was just really happy to get back to a bigger ring. It just looks right. It feels right. GCW has really stepped up the past year or so. It's nice to see them in a venue that represents the company, uh, you know, in a better light.
0: Yeah, I kind of. I don't mean it in a bad way. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I like seeing like the shorter rings, though, sometimes as well, because then you get to see like cool moments. The cool venues. Yeah. The cool venues as well. And like we get to see Leon Slater go coast to coast, corner to corner, which is we might not see that in a normal size ring as well. So it is kind of nice seeing that you like the bigger the bigger rings, in my opinion, give like a lot of these, like especially Jordan, when he's in these smaller rings, we can kind of see like the timings kind of off during the matches. But as you said, once we get to a normal, like I don't know if this is 18 by 18 or 20. Uh, the bigger ring this is kind of nice seeing it because they got more room to kind of get the speed going and um, get the more it looks better stylistically with the wrestlers it looks more natural than instead of them kind of having shuffle their feet to kind of hit a yakuza kick or whatever they got the natural space to move their bodies in the way that they've been trained and kind of grew up in that kind of size ring so it is hit or miss with the ring sizes you get the good and bads with both i think as well Going into our first matchup of the evening, as I said, was the six-man scramble, which I thought when this was announced, this was going to be one of these all-time scrambles. And of course, when I uh i'm still driving to the venue and i get the notification from fight tv that america's most wanted is live (laughs) do you want to watch it now i'm like sure i'll watch it in my car i was about to pull in and park uh it's kind of mad it was the scramble match to start off the night because i missed pretty much the entire scramble as i walked in right at the end but the six competitors in this six-man scramble jack cartwheel alec price cole radrick jordan oliver nick wayne and titus alexander and i think that is a fantastic scramble great talent a lot of high flying and young creative talent in the ring i was so looking forward to this match so i kind of really watched it on tv when i got home the next day to kind of watch this and i missed it in person but um i it was a fantastic match i kind of just mad i didn't show up to kind of watch it live and in person the entire time what was your thoughts on this match
1: i'm with you on the young competitors Every competitor in this match was 25 and under. The oldest one in there was Cole Radrick. I believe that scrambles are great for this age of talent because it hides the negatives that the talent may have, especially if they're not a complete wrestler yet. So I wanted to get that out of the way right up front. I'm also noticing that Oliver loves Trent Acid's moves. I noticed that uh, we saw the acid kick and we saw the, uh, was it the acid bomb? Yep. Off the top of my head. And I really I'm starting now to really understand exactly uh his love. That I don't know where it came from. It may be an inspiration. I hope that maybe there's an interview out there where we can get that explained to us.
0: I think the, he did one like right before the pandemic, or maybe it was even during the pandemic, but he was uh competing in the acid trend acid cup. They used to mm-hmm. like have a tournament with acid cup and um He actually won it one of the years. I thought it was pretty cool storyline that he kind of told throughout the whole um, tournament of his moveset and stuff like that was a lot of trend acid, but I do think there is a interview out there. I just have to find it. Maybe if I find it, I could post it out there afterwards and uh, uh, people could watch it on the, at the watch it after they're listening to the podcast.
1: So both of us were expecting a real GCW style opening match. We got it. From the beginning, there were cartwheel chants. He's really getting over. I think that's something we need to talk about a little more at some point because it seemed like this was his night to shine. He was showing up a lot, like showing off a lot. He came out with the the GCW ugly sweater and a Santa hat. Which are on uh, GCW merch right now? I, I have to just plug sweater.
0: it. I almost bought the sweater that I've been saying I wanted it. It was like twenty five bucks, and I ended up buying a uh, the LA shirt instead because I missed out on buying the LA shirt. The cool they have like the Lakers color GCW shirt that we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. Those are awesome. They they didn't have it the last LA show I went to, but this time they did. So I used my money to buy that shirt instead of the ugly sweater. If that shirt wasn't there, I was buying the ugly sweater.
1: And I'm not gonna lie. I hope they keep making those shirts because those are badass looking shirts. Yes. I love them. I love it. So. The first two minutes was a spot fest, and um I'm gonna announce that I'd seen there was this assisted splash by Jordan and Wayne that they just recently came up with. If you have a chance, go and check it out. I think it goes maybe three to four minutes in, roughly off the top of my head. I'm gonna say this, and I will say it over and over. I believe we need Titus in GCW as a heel. I also believe he's AEW bound eventually. He has a good look to him. He has good, steady execution. It looks like he's willing to do his job and learn from what I've heard. And I think he has a good future on him. So this is somebody that I think it would be good for uh, GCW to just benefit from before he moves on to his next step.
0: Yeah, I've always kind of had the same feeling. I actually think Titus is more tv ready than nick wayne i'm actually kind of surprised not surprised i guess nick wow wayne. yeah huh. i i just think he has the look the smoothest in the ring just as well as nick, nick wayne but i just think he has his character down so good and the facial reactions and the way he kind of has the demeanor as a heel of as we talked about before him being better than everyone i i think he's at the point right now where he's a little bit higher than nick wayne but I think they're both are so young, when they could grow into whatever you want them to be, because they are super talented and super over. I could see that kind of being, and as you said, AEW, that would be kind of cool if they signed them, because that would be a one of those feuds that could last like a lifelong feud. Those two seem like they could mm-hmm. always be connected at the at the hip to always feud against each other.
1: Yeah, this cartwheel push too. We're seeing the last three or four shows. Cartwheel's really been given a spotlight. And he's really done a lot in that spotlight. So I wanted to at least mention, I'm really impressed with this little no better word than spotlight with the spotlight he's been given.
0: Yeah. I, uh, going into this match, he would probably be the last person if you hadn't tell me in order to pick the winners. He was my absolute last pick to win this match. Hmm, and yeah, uh, we'll kind of go right into it. And he does pick up the victory as, uh, they kind of all hit their final, uh, finishers at the end. And then, uh, Jordan was laying there after hitting, I believe he hit the, acid kick on Titus and then he just as he hit the ground Jack Hart will hit the shooting star press and pin Jordan for the three and that's kind of right when I walked in I was like whoa they started off with kind of a shock. (laughs) like I said I didn't think he would win like I don't hate that he won it just I thought out of the six he would be the least most likely to win in my opinion but I'm kind of glad as you said it does seem like he's getting a nice little push here lately and it's been deserved because his in-ring has definitely improved tremendously over these last few months of him kind of focusing more on wrestling and not in football as much. So I don't hate seeing it. I was just actually surprised. And I think a lot of the people that right when I got there surrounded were kind of surprised he won as well.
1: You know, I also noticed that Wayne and Oliver were showing a lot of team spirit, which they, you know, you're not really supposed to, but they were working together in quite a few spots and it was a face thing and it worked really well. The people really seemed to enjoy it a lot. And with this match, the one thing that I would mentioned about it that I thought was interesting was it was like a beautiful execution of successive high impact moves. There was a lot of high impact moves in this one and everything looked like it hurt.
0: Yeah, I loved like seeing all the high flying spots uh, in, in the ring, out of the ring. I thought this was a well-timed and paced and execute, as you said, the execution of a scramble. It was it was fantastic. It it was everything that I kind of expected once they announced this. And this was like one of the last matches they announced for this night as well. So it was kind of nice yeah. at the end, like right before the show. Oh, here's like a banger of a match that if you already bought tickets, we're going to reward you because you bought your tickets early. If you haven't bought tickets, I think they announced this one when they said they had like 30 tickets left. And like, that's when my wife bought me my ticket mm-hmm. <laughs> to to this show. Oh, like, I get it right before this, uh, scramble match happened. So, Disappointed that I didn't get to see it live but seeing it play out on Fight TV was pretty awesome because it, it was fun. It was a fun scramble and I just think this was a cool way to showcase six great young talent and what they could possibly provide for GCW in the future as well going forward. Our second matchup of the evening is Star Boy Charlie going against Matt Cardona and I... Thought this was a perfectly booked match. I think it had a lot of WWE in it, and I loved it because at the end, uh, I'll talk about what Cardona did. But, um, I I loved it. it was gr- greatly booked, um, greatly on the the announce team did a great job at the end of kind of calling out to something that might have been missed to a lot of these general fans. As I said, that not have any idea like what Cardona did at the end and why he did it, but. I just like the pacing of this match and they was kind of overbooked and had the referee missing a three count stuff. I just thought this was a typical WWE match and it was great for Cardona to have because I think he is. uh, This might have been one of his last performances, but I think this was kind of cool for Starboy to have one of these matches because we always used to see him in kind of these scrambles or the spotlight matches. And it's kind of more indie all in ring based and not kind of telling a story through Different gimmicks and stuff that happened throughout the match in WWE, and I thought this was kind of a nice change of pace for Starboy to participate in one of these kinds of matches.
1: So, speaking of young stars that GCW is pushing, here we are with Starboy Charlie, and again, he's in the same situation where these last couple shows, if not the last couple months, have went in Starboy Charlie's uh, Starboy Charlie's way. He's done nothing but benefit from these matches. He, um. He had awesome grateful dead socks. I know it sounds stupid, but I just wanted to mention him for a moment because I thought it was funny. What really got me in this match was more of what Cardona was doing. First, he came out in back to the future inspired gear, including a jacket and doc shades from number two. So I love the nerdiness. I've always loved that. I don't care how much he gets booed or how much he's hated. I connect with what he's trying to do out there. And I appreciate that. He's putting good money into doing that, but, um, Matt basically grabs the mic and said he's gonna pretend Starboy is Brett Lauderdale and beat his ass. And that's primarily how the match started. So Cardona, of course, the bully, the heel. There was a couple of nice spots here. I'm gonna just tell you that happened where uh Cardona did a chokehold push-ups. And also Starboy hits the octopus hold in the ropes, which was unique and something I don't know if i've seen before so i just wanted to mention that real quick because it was kind of a new one to me but this is an interesting push for charlie it's really interesting that he got the rub from cardona and um wow gcw is putting a lot of eggs in the basket on Starboy. so i'm kind of curious what you have to think about that
0: i kind of see it because they were like we always talk about the feuds the feuds and he seems like he was always in that one year year and a half long feud with the South Pacific Savages, I don't mind Mm -hmm. seeing him do it. It's when we talk about these quote unquote pillars like Jordan, Nick Wayne and the young talent that they got, Alec Price and stuff like Starboys kind of always just right on the outskirts of those conversations whenever we talk about pillars. And I don't know why we kind of always kind of forget about him being a pillar of GCW because he's always like, I think that's the most place the other than West coast pro. Like I only see Starboy at GCW or West coast pro wrestling. So, um, and he's always doing fantastic matchup matches. He's got the crowd behind him and it's just weird that, yeah, we always kind of talk about Jordan, Nick and all these other wrestlers, but we don't talk about Starboy And I think he absolutely deserves to be in that conversation with those wrestlers. Cause he's putting on great matches just as well as they are. Um, real fast though before we go back because I'll forget this I was in person I was trying to figure out since you called it the or you said it was the back to the future outfit for Cardona on the back of his pants he's wearing um, on the back of his trunks he has like the license plate and it says out Ali do you know what that is I was trying to figure out what the hell that was all night or is that something is that a back to the future reference okay so the it's funny this is the nerd coming out so the license plate's supposed to
1: say out of time and for some reason he put that, so I'm sure there's something that
0: you know. What did it say? Oh, it, can I'm you give it, at it? now? It says O U T L A I. So that's why I'm like. At first I was uh, trying like oh, uh, Maybe to Long Island, I. but but L A I. I don't out know. Of, out of Long Island, yeah, maybe out of l a That makes I. sense.
1: L A is L A Los Angeles,
0: but it's A L out L A. Yeah, that makes sense. What was it again? Out of out A L I o-u-t-a-l-i so yeah maybe no that clue. one is out yeah. of la or out of long island as you said that would might be uh that if it was o-u-t-a i think it's out of you know yeah long island something like, but yeah i don't know i was trying to figure that out all night like during this whole match i was like just staring at it i'm like what does that mean and i'm like okay, what the fuck does staring that at mean? his ass the entire night like trying to figure it out <laughs> like i was even gonna ask some of the people around me is like hey is this like an la reference that i'm missing since i'm not from here But um, yeah, that makes kind of sense. And so on top, it says Cardona and then out of Long Island. That makes sense now out of Long Island. Okay, good. All right. Anyway, I'm sorry. thinking back to the Starboy. No, no, no. And we announced the winner on Star- on the uh, this match or no? Uh, thank you, did but we'll just mention again. Starboy does pick up the victory as they kind of had a couple false finishes, which I said was kind of like the WWE, like Cardona or Starboy had Cardona in a pin earlier. They counted three, but Cardona's foot was on the rope, and Chad Rico kind of didn't notice it, and then he right at the end he noticed it. So Starboy thought he had the victory. Cardona's like, no, I had my foot on. Then he tried. Getting a uh, picking up a kind of a, a surprise win of his own as Starboy's kind of thinking he had the victory, but Starboy reversed it again and beat Cardona again. So it's kind of he beat Cardona twice in one night, which is kind of goes back to the storytelling of this match. I liked how it was more WWE paced instead of indie paced. Going into our third matchup of the evening is a triple threat match, and this is the one I was saying earlier that's a lot of the Non wrestling folk at GC or GCW's America's Most Wanted kind of enjoyed, which was Masha Slamovich going against Dark Sheik and Sawyer Wreck. Um, real fast, too. This was the part that I noticed, uh, during the entrances. The sound quality being there in person was so much better. That's probably the best sound I've heard come out of the microphone, the music of everything. It came out nice, strongly. but yes, on good stream, job. It came out like like how it kind of oh
1: only- no 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 what it does is it never translates yeah, the same the unfortunately i mean it, it comes out decent because you know what i mean we listen to a lot of the i was on this shit before about complaining about this so i'll definitely jump in on this one with you um it's much improved from what it was and it's stable the video is stable there's not really drops anymore like there used to be the audio is stable um i also noticed that there's not any it used to be sometimes there you'd be a second or two off on audio versus video it just every now and then it would happen that doesn't happen anymore i used to have friends come over a year ago every now and then the show would drop and then come back on for whatever reason that doesn't happen anymore uh i have to say they're doing a damn good job on getting their shit in order and they've really worked hard i think piece by piece on getting that done I'm a hundred percent with you. Number one, I won't complain because I do appreciate that we have it and they're, they're definitely making improvements. No lie. But man, if they could figure out how to can that sound and feeling that's in that place live and broadcast it all the way across the world, it would be fantastic because the live show is just so hype and it's so hard to capture that excitement live on uh, on camera for some reason.
0: Yeah, and see, that's what I was really looking forward to when I was there. And I, like, like when they announced they did the announcements during this match, I really picked it up and I was like, wow, that sounds so much better. I wonder how it sounds on the stream. And then when I got home, I was like, oh, okay. It's not, as you said, it didn't translate as well, the improvement of sound as it did in person, but it is a, at least a step. It'll, it'll get there. Yeah, it's a step in the right direction, at least. Because I, I w- I've been there when they've done promos. Like Blake Christian's doing a promo. I'm like, I'm. 20 feet away from you. What are you saying? I have no idea what you're saying right, because right. of the sound, but with everything, like Matt Cardona's whole promo, too, was awesome and I could hear it. And that was kind of cool to see the differences there. Oh, real fast too. We I'd skipped over the, the I think the most important part of the Cardona match. At the end, he does the mm-hmm. old like when Bret Hart kind of got his uh got screwed with uh shot. Yeah. You, you see Cardona do the W. W E and like people are like around me are like, what is he doing? I'm like, okay, that's what you really don't know. But I'm like in my mind, I'm like, yes. But then I'm also like, no, cause then we might not be able to see Cardona no more. But um, right. I thought that was pretty cool seeing him doing it and then going back and watching it seeing praise that call it out and acknowledge it and kind of uh, yes. saying like, he kind of like questioned, he's like, Oh, is that, is this Cardona's uh, sign that he's done with GCW finally and going to WWE. So I, I kind of liked how Dave praise, that called it out on commentary as well. Going into this match. I'm oh, sorry. The triple threat match. Uh, Story wreck was the first one that came out. That's where the fans like the LA fans went nuts. The people around me that had no idea about wrestling. They thought she was just awesome seeing how tall she was and, Her look and her demeanor, and uh, they all all got the good reactions. I think Masha Slamovich got a surprisingly good reaction as well. So is Dark Sheik. Dark Sheik's always going to get the good reaction on the West Coast. And as this match started, I thought it was kind of a rough start. They kind of did look a little sloppy with just the timing issues and who was supposed to, like, duck the clothesline and stuff like that. But real fast... Real quickly, this turned out to one of the more exciting matches of the night. I enjoyed a lot of the spots that they did in this match, with the double choke slam and the the chicken fighting to trying to get Masha on eye level with Sawyer Wreck. I thought it was cool. I loved the teamwork that Masha and uh, Dark Sheik used to kind of neutralize Soya Wreck and all her moves. I I just I love this match. I it started off rough, but I loved seeing where it all turned out. And I think all three competitors did everything perfectly and they all did it so good for like what their expectations were this match and i i loved it this was one of my favorite women's matches of the year i think
1: okay so a couple spots i'm going to call first and i'm going to talk a little bit about the match real quick there was a spot where she hit a double leg drop on both of the other competitors there was another spot that i found the most entertaining of the match where she and masha uh, one got on the other shoulders and they created like this super tall human, like the kind that would wear a trench coat and try <laughs> to buy alcohol. And they made like this forearm monster that was punching the shit out of Sawyer. That was extremely entertaining. And I just wanted to get that out of the way because I didn't want to forget mentioning that because the kid in me absolutely loved that spot. Um All three performers roughly like the whole time they were fighting together not the whole but most of the time a lot of three ways someone's sitting on their ass for a minute and a half while the other two do their thing and here what kind of separated this triple threat from others was the high amount of time that there was all three performers in the ring at one time you know kicking the shit out of each other there was one other spot i just me- i just forgot to mention here where sawyer spears uh masha and Sheik through the door there was a door that was set up it just looked absolutely fantastic um personal opinion only my opinion and don't kill me but part of the reason why people do the whole kiss on a show is for shock factor or because whoo you know the crowd is like oh my gosh when it's done four times a show there's no shock factor when it's done in the last 20 plus shows there's no shock factor also just personal opinion let one person do it don't have every person do it this is just as similar as someone getting on the top rope and doing a dive from the top rope to the outside with a corkscrew the next time someone does it it's not going to be as spectacular and look as good i can say the same thing about a dive Uh, we've actually reported some of we've reviewed some of these where you know someone will dive off of the stage fantastic then comes a second a couple matches later then a match or two later then comes a third and it lost its luster so i also want to say that well if you want to have some shock and really think that the whole kiss thing is cool and it's gonna have some impact back off of it a little bit so that when it does happen it's special because it just doesn't seem as special anymore. That's again, just my personal opinion, dial it back. Some personally, my myself. And again, I'm only one opinion. I don't say this is how you do anything with your own money. That's what Brett does is his fucking business. And so are the performers respectfully. But uh, the other thing is, if it's going to be a kiss thing, let the one person who did it, do it. And then let that be their thing, because there's just no shock factor anymore in it. And it's I don't know. It's like
0: cussing. It's cheap. Yeah, and I I don't think Sawyer Rick, Like I think she's just good enough in general to, like the shock factor of just seeing how tall she is alone. It's just enough. But yeah, I think, yeah. and I think that's what the fans. As soon as they saw her step. Put in the ring before any other competitors got in. I just hear the, holy crap, you see how tall she is? Her haircut. She's got that cool biker look. Like They loved the, her look, and I think she's over just on that. So I don't think you don't really need to do much of that other stuff other than to just capitalize on how badass she is because the fans loved it. And yep. Like I said, like the, all three competitors got over throughout the whole night. Like Masha got over as the one everybody wanted to hate, and she just tried to like kind of steered the match away from all that kind of stuff and trying to like hey I'm here to win this match like I don't care who who's in here and Dark Sheikh she's just over as well in LA so I I don't know I I really liked this match and I had like the little rough start like I said just timing issues and I just said like um just kind of getting the feel for each other but once it settled in I loved all the the cool moves that they did with like the double uh, back suplex that uh Sawyer Wreck did to Masha and Sheik. I love the spear. I love the, the double leg drop that Dark Sheik did onto both competitors. I, I really enjoyed how this match turned out at the end of it because I think it was one of the more entertaining women's matches I've seen just in general this year from GCW and I, at first I didn't think it would I was kind of questioning how this match would kind of turn out, but it turned out way better than I expected. And I'm glad to see it because I think Sawyer Wreck, there's something there that could still be capitalized on. And Masha still being her just general badass that she is everywhere in every promotion. I still love to see the badass uh, Masha version in GCW. So
1: my thoughts are, number one, it's nice to see Sheik back. Sheik is sometimes on, sometimes off. There can be four or five shows where we don't see Sheik. So it's nice always seeing Sheik back. Um, With Sawyer, there's something that I'm noticing that I'm hoping she stays away from because it's something that some people don't appreciate or like too much at the higher levels of, you know, like trainers. The one thing that I noticed that she's doing now is because she's going over, she's playing a lot to the crowd a lot more, which takes away from what she's supposed to be doing in the ring. I mean, I could literally count her tongue was out for over half of this match towards the crowd when it should be in her mouth and her fists should be going through someone's face and here's how much respect i do have for her because honestly this is just me nitpicking and also she's newer and i i love her so here's what i will say about her i would say that i would bring her in green like jade cargo and i'd have her run through a shit ton of females including whoever they may bring in like a ruby riot Have her just eat the shit out of Ruby Riot, too. I think that would be something it would be nice to have. Sawyer has a look that exemplifies GCW. We're not like anyone else. We've got a rough side to us. We're tough as fuck. We can go out there and we can do something fantastic. And at the same time, we can bleed all day for you. Like, I think she exemplifies what GCW is. And I think that's something that hopefully at one point can be taken advantage of if she doesn't become a caricature of herself.
0: Yeah, I... I I think Sawyer Rex, like as you said, kind of like the newness, the greenness of it is those little things, the facial expressions and stuff like how she reacts to the crowd. Cause like I think sometimes too, like it's too much. Like sometimes, like when she should be capitalizing and building onto moves, she'll just do one big move and then try to get the pop for it. But it's like, hey, like keep on going. And then once you finally put the competitor out for at least a couple seconds, then you can kind of do the celebrating with the fans and stuff. I, I, but I just think that's just in general, just new workers, like, they'll learn that. And I think, I too, think so she, like, kind of what she is green on, she very well hides some of those things just yes. based off of her look and her badass moveset as well. So I think she's doing a very good job of hiding what she's kind of new at and still learning and trying to get better at while yep. also still keeping that badass look to everybody. Like, she walked into in the room. The whole, is just like, everyone's like, holy crap. Like, I think if she, as you said, kind of gets some more um, matches. Old-fashioned. Yes, like wonderful. Yeah, Well, old-fashioned, but what I'm also saying is stay on your
1: stay on your competitor. Yeah. I know this happens a hundred times, but if you're going to play to the crowd that much, usually you might as well be a bad guy because you're going to hit the face, and then you're going to look at the crowd and, ah, You know, because otherwise just acknowledging the crowd that much takes you away. And yeah, maybe that's the old fashioned of me, but you're supposed to stay on your competitor until you have them beaten. And I understand
0: every now taking a breath and acknowledging the crowd who loves you. And that's kind of why I like Masha, because she's just I'm so picky. No. No, it's fine because like that's like why I like Masha so much as this like she's also got like that Russian badass woman where you know like she's got that it factor as well just in a different form. But she in the ring is just so smooth and is always nonstop attack, 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 and that what I that's where I think it helps her as a heel because she never gives the fans what they want and smiling and get that reaction. She wants the the jeer she wants to boo she wants like you to hate her and i think with her non-stop uh attacking her opponent that doesn't give the fans any time to sit there and cheer for her even though it was a cool looking move she just always go 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 and i think that's where she's kind of excelled and that's why she's an impact and stuff in in bigger companies because that that part has clicked for her where i think once it clicks for sawyer we could kind of see some uh and not a newer version of it, but a more like badass version of Sawyer Wreck when she kind of gets, learns how to, when to go for the crowd and when to kind of attack and stuff like that. She's so
1: capable yes. that I can't wait to see what she does if she continues to keep her head on her shoulders and move forward. I really think she has a good company behind her that believes in her. She has a fan base that's behind her that believes in her. As long as she takes advantages of all the faculties that's there for her and behind her, she has a good future ahead of her. And again, she represents GCW well. And this is, this is again, this is me just being a picky a second ago, or being picky a second ago, and that was being extremely picky. So uh, I haven't had a chance to mention Masha at all. With Masha, the only thing I will say, and I love to say this, but she makes such a great heel. She's a fantastic heel, man. I love it. And I hope she really finds um, a niche in that and stays with it more than she does now because she doesn't come out of it too much into the face mode. But, God, she's vicious, man. And I'd love to see her get into a good stable somewhere. I think as a as a single character, she well, first of all, as a wrestler, she's fantastic. As a character, she's decent. But if she was put with someone else, I think she'd shine more. This is like the Axton Ray thing. Where it's just like if you just add a drop of something, they're fantastic. Like there's just I I think Masha could go somewhere. I don't know who she could go with. Maybe oh, Lindsay Snow. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's but a good one. I know that that's out there, but I mean it would have to be someone just tough as fuck, or at least looks tough as fuck, just like her. And, you know, that's someone I'm thinking of.
0: I kind of oh, wish yeah. her and Akira would kind of team up a little bit more. I, I don't know why we haven't seen Akira when it kind of feels a long time in GCW. I kind of like. Oh, you're everything. right. Yeah. I kind of like what everything he was doing um, for a while. So I don't know what that deal is, but I, I would, that would be someone I would like to see her kind of team up with and to go against the alley catch and Effie or, uh, Sawyer Rec and whoever else, like, I don't know. I think this, those two would play very well in the tag, in the tag, uh, tag divisions because i think as you said i think masha is i think she's uh, one of the top wrestlers in like gcw for women pretty much near the top if not the top because of everything she does and she just has kept, keeps that badass look and just is so good in the ring i i really think she has a bright future ahead of her outside of gcw and i'm kind of glad seeing her and impact kind of shining and excelling as well. She is there because there's something about her, where I think is very easy to capitalize on. And um, yeah, I think she's awesome <laughs> going into our fourth matchup of the evening. And in my eyes and being there in person, I have a lot to say about this match. Cause I think this was probably the match of the night is the six man tag match as a team of Gringo Loco and Los Vipers, the Latigo and Ta- Taheen. Toxin or whatever. I forgot how to say it. Sorry. Um, Going against a team of Arez, ASF, and Commander. And I was excited for it, but holy shit, this, <laughs> blew, this blew my expectations there. And being there in person and seeing it again was, I think, kind of makes me a little bit more biased with these ones. I think this was the top two Lucha matches of the year for GCW. And I'm going to be kind of biased. I think the other match that was ahead of this is the Hammerstein show one. Because that one had about 200 different spots. And every single one hit perfectly. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, except the ending. But how well they performed in the ring in the Hammerstein match. And this one. And seeing the crowd just eat it up and enjoy it. I love this match. And... I got to see during this match, uh, I was like directly in front of Brett who he was on the stage I was on the opposite side of the ring, but watching a lot of the action and seeing his reactions during this card and match and was so awesome to see. And I, I'm going to go ahead and do a little backstory here before we kind of do this uh, match, because seeing how much Brett enjoyed himself during this match was the polar opposite of my first ever GCW show going to and seeing Brett kind of run that show. So my first GCW show was uh, GCW draft day. And I sat like in the last, like the fourth row where they had chairs and I was like literally right in front of the production table, right in front of Brett and uh, Ron Funches, Kevin Gill on commentary. So I was like right there. So I got to hear the commentary right behind me, see Brett producing the card in the night. and He was all over the place like how he normally is, but he was so hands on with it and seeing how stressed he was that night when stuff wasn't going right or they played the wrong music or uh, the ring announcer wasn't in the ring in time or they announced the wrong match. Like Seeing the stress level that he went through my first GCW show compared to this one and seeing him during this night uh, for this, uh, especially this specific match as well. Just in the back, he's he he's doesn't have any headset on, he's on his phone, he's retweeting. he's just sitting back enjoying the show, letting the production people run it, and his hard work was done. But seeing him kind of enjoy the fruits of his labor with all the hard work he's done for GCW since that night when I first saw him was so cool to see, and he deserves it because he's obviously... The reason for our podcast, the reason for GCW and all the amazing stuff that's kind of happened in my life with these since I've found GCW and stuff. So I thought it was just really cool. And I just wanted to point it out, seeing Brett's enthusiasm that night was so awesome to see because he was one of us fans. He's jumping around, watching Commander do all his high flying stuff and seeing him just enjoy it as a fan and not as a owner slash producer of this show, because he kind of it was more hands off it was very nice seeing him just kind of enjoy everything that he's worked hard for and kind of seeing him not as stressed about it was kind of cool scene on my end.
1: Okay. So my turn on this match, the first thing I'm going to say as if he hasn't is you need to see this match. No lie. I'll only put it in the top two because I don't have a shit ton of memory of the Hammerstein show. Cause I was having a good time. Um, I could easily see this one being the match of the year. Yeah. I could easily see it. It is a hundred percent a contender in the top three. A hundred percent a contender. Um, I don't know if it was a call backstage. I don't know if this was something where it was planned ahead of time, but to give these these performers 23 minutes on something like a six-man tag between three scrambles slash luchas. It's just fantastic and then they step up in and just deliver at such a level that i was just impressed the step up in wrestling quality and match quality was instant the minutes this match started uh commander is putting on moves that i've rarely seen um commander is special yeah. i don't have another way to put it man that guy is all over the place and he's really making a name for himself There's a spot that I have a screen capture on where he is standing camera, like facing the camera. He's on the stage and he's doing that on the stage. He's on the ring and he's doing this. And it's a fantastic shot. And the fans are going nuts. I'm going to try to post it later when I get a chance. But Commander is 100 percent over. And I feel justified in saying that now because you and I were both all over Commander since day one.
0: Yeah, I, I don't understand half the shit he did. Like, at the beginning of this match, he's just standing on the ropes and just walks a couple yeah, steps yeah. and does a squat, stands back up, walks a couple more steps, does another little squat, and then turns into, like, that balance is insane. And whenever he goes from one side to the other, but then, like, he has to, like, jump onto the other rope, and then he turned mm-hmm. it into a like, splash. Like, that is just insane. Like, we've never seen anybody do that. Like, no, th- th- like no. We, used to wa- we grew up watching the undertaker doing the old school and okay. Yes. The other opponent's holding his hand and that's, what's keeping his balance. But commander is doing running across an entire rope, jumping on another, or as he did like this one, he flipped over into the corner, but put his legs back on the rope. So he straddled it and held up. Like he's just incredible. Like I forgot the wrestler that they, in WWE, they're calling the king of the ropes or whatever. I think that was, um, not Lindsay Dorado, but, um. Whatever, whatever the wrestler that was, that now name it <laughs> yeah. goes to Commander because I his balance on the top ropes and any of the ropes is just it, it's amazing. And he's found ways every single night to switch it up with those moves where it's either a swanton dive to the outside or a Phoenix splash or a 630. Like he's modifying it each time. And it's just incredible. Whenever he gets on the ropes, it's like everybody busts out their cameras. Right, like, What kind of crazy shit we're going to watch tonight. And this one, he did like, I think, five different moves that just blew my mind from the top rope. And yeah, he was incredible during this match.
1: Okay, so some more spots here that I want to kind of talk about, just like this last match. This one had a couple (laughs) amazing ones. There was a spot where uh, Ares, it's actually Ares. Yeah, I can't, Ares, but I can't do it, so it's Ares. He uh, stomps on Toxin's back. It was really funny to see, but I think he kicked him like six times before he fell down. But uh, Ares was really shining in this match in multiple spots. Uh, There was another spot where the Vipers swung ASF, (laughs) <laughs> into gringo loco who was jumping from the top rope basically this was a he was doing a catching avalanche pendulum power bomb i think beautiful. that's how that, that was described beautiful.
0: yeah that was a beautiful yeah. way to describe because like i remember mlj it's like what do you even call that this and yeah yeah he said the exact same thing you just wrote <laughs> yep yep
1: Yep, that was, that was what I was trying to figure it out. And then he said it, and I went, you know what? That kid knows more than me. I'm just going to go ahead and trust that. His mind was blown. My fucking mind was blown. There was quite a few innovative team moves that I had seen. There were triple submission holds, triple dives, fucking assholes, elbows, heads, arms flying everywhere. I loved it. GCW chants were all over the place. Emil was stunned. I was also stunned. This is what came across TV. I could not imagine what it was like live.
0: Yeah, it was insane. This is one of those that you said 22 minutes. It could have ended at 12, 15, and still would have been a fantastic fucking match. But they just kept on adding such. They let him breathe. It was so fucking awesome. Like, that's where, like, when the guy was like, this match needs to end. I'm like, okay, it could have ended, and it still would have been Match of the night, but why? If they got all this in their arsenal and they hit it cleanly as they did throughout the whole night, it was just so awesome. Scene and I, yeah, this was top one of the top 5 matches i have for the year cuz i used to kind of like get to get fans into gcw i would always kind of like hey what kind of wrestling do you like to watch oh i like watching the death match boom i put on a death match form whenever they said lucha i always went to the lucha match at hammerstein and i had two friends because of that match they end up going to the collective the lucha the world on lucha match or card in the collective weekend. And they went specifically just because they saw this match that I showed them and how incredible it was. And now this, this match has to be added to that playlist for me because any lucha fan there especially this this crowd was a lot more lucha than normal just because of mm-hmm. vikingo as well so i think that kind of helped out during this matches um and the crowd reaction because the la crowd is a lot of lucha <laughs> they like the lucha matches and they love the death matches pretty much anything other like wwe kind of style or like leo rush comes out they were booing the shit out of him like they don't really care for that. They want their Lucha and they want, Interesting. Their, they want their death matches. And whenever they get Lucha death matches, their excitement and l- loudness goes to another level. This was like the loudest... A crowd, I've heard from GCW as well in person, and especially during this match because really, yeah, it was up there. I, I have it in my notes. I said, I uh, I said super loud, and the crazy love for the lucha because they were as well as GCW. I think the, the, this whole match was lucha, lucha. Like I remember screaming, lucha, yeah, like no other. Um, yeah, I there's this was just incredible. I love like res too when he does like when he does this kind of kip up, but he like is still kind of. His body weight's kind of falling back, his head and back still bent backwards. and He kind of just slowly rises up. Uh I love when he does that. And I'm so glad they put MLJ on commentary. Cause I always say like whenever it's Lucha, MLJ needs to be on commentary because his his knowledge for Lucha wrestling, his love for Lucha wrestling is very simple. Like what we see, what I saw Brett kind of marking out and enjoying this match. I hear it every time Emble's covering one of these Lucha matches and as we always talk about, the excitement level from the owner to the commentators to the talent affects our enjoyment and excited level, excitedness level, whatever. Um, I think all of that played into this match. This was, like I said, top five match of the year for me. And that's saying something with all the matches GCW's done this year because I expected greatness, but I did not expect this much greatness. And I, 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 in person, this was not even close to the match of the night for me. Wow. Uh, our winners,
1: Gringo Loco and Los Vipers with triple pins. Just the pure art you'd expect it to be, you know. Um, I'll say it again. You need to see this match. No lie. If you listen to us about much else, this is going to be one of the few things that you may want to take us seriously on. This match was just absolutely fantastic.
0: Um, anything else you have? Yeah, I rewatched this. That's like we're talking about. Like there was like the one move where the Vipers like rolled commander up into Gringo. Gringo uh, did a back body drop into commander into I think it was. Uh. Toxin and Toxin turned it into a power bomb. It's like, as you said, incredible. Like, this match needs to be seen. Like I can't even describe. As you, we can't even describe the catching avalanche pendulum power bomb. Like it's this match had so many innovative and creative moves. Please go out of your way to watch it because you will. For the as we always say, Fight TV. I'm still waiting for my check, but you want to join Fight TV Plus for 4.99? This match alone is worth the 4.99 because I. Yeah, I don't know what else to say other than you need to go watch this for yourself to enjoy it as much as I did or you did. It was incredible. It's it left me like speechless and like I immediately typed to my wife like, "Holy shit, thank you for buying me tickets to this show. Like, this match alone made it worthwhile." And I still get got to see Vikingo later, which was even more incredible. Okay, so I'm not going to lie. I think I came up with a
1: tagline for that whole situation with 499. It's going to be 499 you spent more for less. Yeah, that's about true. Yeah, that is about fucking true. A month's worth of entertainment for four ninety nine, or probably one or two items at Taco Bell. That's gonna freaking be out
0: of your system in a couple hours. And we only talked <laughs> so, about just the GCW portion of Fight TV Plus. That doesn't count yeah, wrestling revolver yeah. and all these other great wrestling you could see, which Shit, a lot of yeah. these GCW quote unquote regulars or wrestlers are always on. So, yeah, uh, I this is the one match. My memorable moments already spoiled at the night. This was no, by far the memorable moment of the night and commander stepped it up to a whole nother level. Like he gave a nice little shout out to me on Twitter. I, re- I posted like one of the videos of him uh, jumping to the outside and he responded. and I thought that was kind of cool because uh, they don't have to do that stuff. I just think it was always cool whenever wrestlers retweet and then just comment on stuff that we post on them because it makes like, Hey, my voice is being heard and they are, they know they're being appreciated by me, so it kind of feels nice that my appreciation is being acknowledged by them. And Commander, like he said, he didn't have to do it, but like I think he said this was his 10th year wrestling or something. Like, one of the anniversaries of he said he was wrestling. Yeah. And to him, kind of have this moment in LA with this Lucha match. And Gringo Loco, too, I remember seeing the smile on his face at the end. He's like, no, we're not chanting GCW. We're chanting Lucha, Lucha. Like, his love for Lucha wrestling Comes out in these kind of matches, yes. and you just see how fucking great he is in booking these lucha matches and kind of producing the matches and stuff. Like I think, like we always call him the base god, but I always think he's the brains behind all these crazy lucha matches that GCW provides and. Gringo Loco. Like I I hope that World on Lucha becomes a collective staple as it as Planet please, Death is because please. It just offers a different variety of show that weekend. And we know it's gonna be banger after banger with Gringo Loco booking no, these kind no, of no, matches. No. You know it's going to be a great seller in
1: LA. Lucha style in L.A. Holy shit. Maybe at some point, if these get like this, we might have to get out of the UCC and go to something that's at the 1,400 mark, 1,500 mark for fans because Lucha draws. And if you put together a fantastic show and promote it, L.A. will
0: come out and support. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And uh, there's one other thing, too, I want to kind of question, but we'll talk about later because it is like a talking point that I had for uh near the end of the night um it's got to kind of okay. see, that kind of makes me question if the ucc is the right spot for the collective just based off what you said of everything that's going to be happening um i i yeah i definitely hope gringo Loco gets the world on lucha again this year because i want to see him like book more and more and doesn't he, okay now this demand lucha promo the promotion mm-hmm. is is he like the owner of that have you seen or heard of that like the demand lucha like nothing uh, i have the heard promotion. of it but i do not
1: know yeah what the actual like relationship is between him and that business okay no clue, i didn't unfortunately. know if that was, like, unfortunately
0: his kind of like little side hustle that side hustle but like side uh side gimmick of running that promotion because i know he does a lot of great things on that as well with demand lucha so yeah. i definitely yeah. want to check out more demand lucha just because of I think he does have quite a bit involved in it. I'm just not sure, but I know he's on there quite often. So Gringo Loco is another one of these underappreciated, I think wrestlers in GCW, just not of what he can do in the ring, but for getting these kind of talents of as ASF commander and those Vipers and Arez and all these Lucha members. Like it, I, it's obviously, I think he has a big driving force. Uh, well, getting green or not Gringo getting Vikingo too. I think, cause I think that's like the big setup. There's like the match of Vikingo and Triple AAA, AAA is going to be against Gringo. So I think what he provides just, overall not just in ring is fantastic for us fans and i i definitely hope world on lucha is the thing that, uh, that stays at collective weekends
1: all right so <laughs> here's where things get a little weird Janela style before the next match happens the bottom rope is removed because joey's gonna bring out a snake not just a snake it's probably one of the biggest motherfucking snakes i think I. he's <laughs> yes. got it around his neck the fucking snake around is damn near as big around as he is at uh at his waist but um so uh, you were there yes. i really need and to listen more about what you have to say about what went down here because and- i felt like you would know a hell of a lot more than when it come across on tv because I wasn't able to see it live at the time. I saw it taped and they chopped
0: it up. So here's my whole thing on this. And I, I could be completely wrong because okay. obviously this is my point of view from what I saw. And I'm kind of not corrected, but I wanted to try to correct. Uh, one of, I think think we're talking about the same person I was talking about, the whole rope situation on uh, on Twitter, that I don't think the rope broke. I think when Joey came out, like as you said, I don't know how long that snake was. I they praised I like, said it went almost from corner to corner and it was fucking long. It was the biggest <laughs> snake I've ever seen as well. Like dude, that's one of these things that like yeah. on Discovery, man gets eaten by snake. Watch it live, and this is mm-hmm. one of these snakes that you watch see, it live. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> watch what are you live watching? Live Damn, I knew, dude. I thought I saw something no, like, no, like that no, when no, the I'm pandemic it was funny. Like some guy like had to get into a whole little outfit and he got eaten by a snake and he had to be like in the oh snake's my God. body and then had to they had to like get him out of the snake yeah it was crazy but that's how big this oh, snake was. thing no you're not even exaggerating this was the biggest snake i've ever seen so he came out with it and no one touched any of the ropes from what i saw at this time now as it happened i saw and this is what i saw on, on the stream it came out with joey went to go put the snake on the rope but this is where I get confused, where maybe I am wrong because Joey puts the snake on the rope, and what they, I think they said the snake weighed like 200 pounds or something like that, something crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it looked heavy. Yeah. And when he put it down on the apron, half the body went onto the actual ring apron, but then the other half was stuck on the rope, and then the rope just collapsed. And that's what wow. I saw too, where I don't think the snake Incredible. was that heavy because we've seen. We've seen 500 pound wrestlers step on the bottom rope and it doesn't break. Like, so I don't know if that's what happened or whatever, but what could have f- been a bolt busted. Exactly. You know what I mean? Something like It could have been a bolt. I'll tell you what we're
1: ha- what I'm happy with, honestly, was that wasn't a performer out there on that bottom rope because that's how shit gets. Oh, I'm a high Busa, Yeah, you know, and wasn't a broken rope. It was just a miscue A miscue on a rope can be deadly. Thank goodness that didn't happen to a performer.
0: Yeah, and I was kind of wondering, like, what when the rope broke, it like it, the whole bottom rope was on the ground, and then as the match started, they didn't even bother trying to fix this. So I'm like, okay, they're just going to ignore it. This match is probably going to get crazy anyway, so they they're not worried about it. But then, like, when the next match starts. The competitors come out and there's still no bottom rope. And then all of a sudden you see like right when the match is about to start, they all just kind of rush up there and put the rope on. Now, here's what I thousand percent saw when they tighten all the bottom ropes. They went to like the corner by right in front of me and Mm -hmm. it was real quick, real fast. And like he left and I saw right away that all the other three ropes, the three angles of the rope was straight. But once it got connected to that corner, it was slouching. And I don't think they tightened it near enough to make it stay. Gotcha. Once, once the first the next match that the first move like I think the wrestler like hit the bottom rope it just automatically was snapped off so I don't think it, it, the rope actually broke but as you said maybe a bolt busted and that's why it didn't stay yeah, I thought yeah. they just didn't tighten it enough and then they just assumed that the rope was broken and didn't bother with it the rest of the night like I almost hopped on my phone and told Brett as they were tightening it and that one guy ran away I was like dude he didn't tighten this bottom rope like I was kind of like legit scared for Willie Mack and Jimmy Lloyd because they were the ne- well, well, you've had training. You've had training. You know how dangerous that can be. And I, I've seen a rope break twice, <laughs> like an actual. Like I've actually seen the one of those, bo- not the bottom ropes, but the middle rope snap on in live and in person. And I've seen and this is kind of like a hidden thing at the bottom of the ring where all the the corners are, there's a steel rope that contains all of that. So that way right, they, they'll right. keep on expanding as the matches are going on and all the bumps are happening that holds the canvas in its square form. So that way it doesn't right. kind of move all over the place. And I've seen that bottom thing snap and cut someone's leg pretty bad. Cause it, those are super tight. And once yeah. you snap that metal, <laughs> that metal wire, it goes flying and, um, from what I've noticed and what I saw, he did he did like three turns on that bottom rope and then that's it. So I don't I don't think it was broken, but as you said, maybe there was a bolt there and why not, but I wanted to text Brent like, dude, hey, watch this corner rope. Do you go back and tighten it because it's not tight at all? So I don't know if the damn snake broke it and busted a bolt loose or if they just Did not tighten it or whatnot, but I was just trying to help out some other people like, oh, it was a broken rope. I was like, I don't think it was broken. But luckily, as the night goes on, it didn't affect the rest of the night because after this moment, there is no more bottom rope for the rest of the night. (laughs) For our fifth matchup of the evening, it is the extreme title match as Joey Janela Is defending the belt with the giant snake on his side against Pagano. And after seeing their match in uh, Mexico in the... Uh, where all the cars are, stuff like that. It. I was expecting another chaotic and insane match, and especially once Joey brought out the snake, and then I saw the bottom rope no longer there. I kind of just assumed that that bottom rope was not needed, and it just created more space for a bunch of fuckery that Joey and Pagano were going to do. And this... Yeah, dude. Yeah, this got it. That got crazy. I don't think it obviously got as crazy as uh, the one in Mexico, but... For the second match, for the rematch, I thought this was a very well and chaotic match. What was your thoughts on this match?
1: Yeah, you know what? I think what you're thinking of is that junkyard down in Zona. Junkyard, yeah, junkyard. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Vanguardia or Zona. Um, right out the gate, Janello. Let's fucking go. It was nice to hear him just pumped. Two minutes in, and we go outside. There's a spot where Joey takes the fan's uh, Santa hat, his beard, and his belt. He beats the shit out of Pagano with the belt. That's the About guy. The four
0: from, minute. Oh. That was the guy, the macho
1: man from last time. Same guy. Oh, is that who that yep. was? Yep. So I've met him, and so have you. No yeah. shit. Hey, that's a really cool guy, let me tell you. Um... Do you know if he's from Las Vegas or L.A. or what? I do not know, to be honest. It's worth asking. Yeah. It's worth asking next time we see him at the show because he seems like like us, like a GCW regular kind of yeah. kind of person. Uh, two minutes in and we go outside. Joey takes fans' uh, Santa hat beard. Oh, my shit. I just repeated myself. <laughs> Let me go ahead on to the next one here. Usually I uh, erase these as I go, so there's an outtake for you. Minute four, Janela brings out a door. Pagano launches the door onto Janela. Janela then dives on him. Pagano then puts him through a door on the cement outside of the ring. That was all in minute four. We'll go ahead to minute six. Pagano beats a door repeatedly over Janela's head until it blows up into pieces. Minute seven, a chair is brought inside the ring. Janela sends Pagano through the chair from the top rope uh around minute eight Janella's cut nicely on his back and pagano was looking fantastic so far up to this point minute 10 they were trading shots in the middle of the ring it was one of those spots where you know both guys are in the middle and we're kind of back to the reset point and people are cheering and they're punching and okay minute 12 janella hits pagano with a chair then pagano hits a clothesline that sends janella face first into that same chair Minute thirteen, Janella and Pagano have a chair and door throwing fight, and it was fucking brutal. Right around minute sixteen, there was a top rope brainbuster onto a four chair setup in the ring. But our winner, Joey Janella, with a package pile driver. They ended with respect in beers, is, is what I put here in my notes. And again, this is another one where I just put a couple of the high spots per minute because this is kind of the way we do it, but. Um, another fantastic match. If you like Pagano, go watch it for sure because Pagano was in excellent form that night.
0: Yeah. I know Pagano a little bit, mostly from, a, uh, I think it was AAA. I could be wrong. I, one of the promotions that I seen, I know of him, seen of him, not that much. And seeing the junkyard match with Joey, I was like, he fits right in with GCM. Mm-hmm. He is perfect. And Seeing this match that night, he was super over with the crowd because, like I said, they kind of like their luchadors and lucha matches and they like their death matches. And I think they get both with Pagano. And I think uh, he is one person I now want to see way more often in GCW uh, ring. Um, I actually kind of thought the way this match was going to kind of play out that this might've been one of those nights where he kind of does pick up the victory, um, and become the GCW extreme title. Okay. I think he would be kind of a good holder, especially whenever they're in LA and stuff like that. And then they will be on the West coast wow. a lot more the next couple months. Wow. I thought the same damn thing while I was
1: watching this match. I looked at him and go, you know, Pagano would be a good champion over here. And you're a hundred percent right. I didn't think the same thing at the time, but I a hundred percent agree with you.
0: He's totally GCW. Totally. I I love and I love like the face paints, his a- a interactions. He's he's awesome. Like it, it was great seeing it in person. That's the first time I saw him in person, and um, I yeah, he just screams GCW just with his look, his outfit, his moves, his not giving a fuck about any weapons being used. Like I think he would fit right in with Joey Janela with SGC. I'd like to see him kind of have a nice little crazy match with uh, Cole Radrick was a name. Like when I was watching this match, I was thinking it'd be kind of fun uh, death match. I think it mm. just fits in with death match wrestling in GCW. And yeah, as the match was going on at live, I was thinking he might, that'd be kind of cool if he picked up the victory and I was kind of wondering too, what would, With the snake, because the way he kind of cowered away from the snake at the beginning of the match, Uh and he kind of didn't want anything to do with it, I was thinking, man, are they going to do some crazy spot at the end where Joey ties him up in the ropes and has the snake bite him, kind of like Jake the Snake. Oh, shit, I I didn't think about that. I was thinking like some sort of ending like that, but... We obviously didn't get that, but uh, I yeah I, wow. I like, I'm a big fan of Pagano now. I definitely want to see him way more in GCW ring. I enjoyed everything about this match, and is I kind of like how they kind of looted. So maybe they run have a one more match because now the series is tied one one. I would like to see a third match happen at possibly the collective with uh, lucha. It could be the world on lucha. It could be Planet Death. I don't know. I think they would have. I think they're going to have the third and final match, some sort of. Uh, event in at the collective and I cannot wait to see it. Cause I think it's, it, it was incredible. And this kind of, I'll start, I'll bring up that point I was talking to about earlier. And, uh, this match, it does get crazy, but it's more doors and stuff like that. And chairs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. same thing in the main event. It gets crazy doors and chairs. We don't see any light tubes at all. And I've kind of noticed that the UCC Some nights there's tons of glass. There's glass panes, light tubes, everything. And then there's other nights where, no, we're going to get crazy with Rob Shit and Hunter Freeman. But it's all barbed wire and doors and chairs. So when we were kind of talking about the collective being at the UCC Center, I'm kind of worried if they if they do have a planet death events, what they're going to be. And I don't know if this is something that. Just off of necessity, or of the way they wanted to book that night, where we're not going to get too light to be and violent and bloody, or is it a UCC call where they're like, "Hey, no light tubes and any of this stuff tonight"? Like, I'm. It kind of makes me worried about the venue and for Planet Death and the other matches with three, four days of wrestling at the UCC during Collective Week, and I'm kind of wondering how crazy they're going to be allowed to get especially with four days of being in the same venue and everything so yeah it kind of makes me wonder if we're going to see light tubes and how much blood and violence we're going to see during collective weekend wow
1: i'm right there with you that's going to be really interesting i wonder if maybe it's just a budgetary thing where maybe if they have four or five hundred dollars to put towards glass they can do something and let's be honest four hundred dollars worth of light tubes is not much so it could be something like that if you see that this trend has been the last couple shows it might be the venue saying hey enough of that for a while the venue won't allow markers in the bathrooms you know for damn well yeah, they, they may not all, very man. well oh yes i'm sorry markers yeah. at all because there was stuff written in the yeah. bathrooms and to a degree i understand that because it's stupid ass people to fuck it up for the rest of us but um yeah i i need to see another match between pagano and joey janela and it looks like it's in the pipeline and it's going to be damn good and this match and there's two other matches the fe match and the upcoming main event with nick gage those three matches had a fantastic pace to them and i don't know if it's an old-fashioned me or whatnot but everything had a chance to breathe. Someone gets cracked with something over the head and they lay there for 20 seconds, 15 seconds. And it just makes it look brutal. And I'd have to say that a Janela match, it seems to have a better pacing and it's a little slower than the average GCW match. And it works so well. It just works so damn well.
0: Yeah. He, his brain, it's like, we kind of talked about it. It has like, just kind of like the go-to like he just knows how to pace this kind of death match or he knows how to pace a match to get cole radrick over or to Sawyer wreck over and stuff like that like he's been a ring general it's a term that comes to my mind with creating these matches and as it's happening choosing when to let it flow when to get crazy when to interact with the crowd when to turn really heel when to do a fun comedy spot when to do a classic uh spot that we've seen in WWE 20 years ago. Like I just love how his wrestling brain works because it kind of feels like how I have like enjoy wrestling where there's one moment. I want to see a comedy spot. I want to see death. Like he does it all in these, these matches and he just kind of has a formula to it. And it I really enjoy everything that Joey's done this year. I know he gets kind of a lot of flack with everything that's happened uh, with the AEW and being let go and stuff. I think that kind of, Gave him freedom to really not have to worry about what a potential or what his employer at that time is thinking he's doing now. He's got that creative freedom to do literally anything he wants. And I he's doing it in Japan. He's doing it in the UK. So it's kind of nice seeing him spread out his wrestling knowledge over <laughs> the world and stuff like that. Because I, I love seeing his matches. I think everyone's been very good this year. Okay. So when it comes to
1: Janella. Feel free to quote me on this, and I'd love to hear someone talk a little bit about this, but I strongly feel that getting fired by AEW may have been creatively the greatest thing that may have happened to Joey Janela. I feel that the minute he was let go, a fire was lit in him, and he had a choice to do several different options, and it seemed like one of the ones he decided to exercise was the one to take and harness his creativity and do something really special with it. And that's something he's doing. It's like Matt Cardona. Each and every match is different in some way. And um, I think that's just, that's about as complete as I can make that that statement.
0: Yeah, I, I am right there with you. I think creatively it was the best thing for him. Maybe not financially, but he says uh, he's doing pretty good financially. He's <laughs> with his lobsters and stuff, so... Um if you're working overseas, you're oh, making yeah. good money, you know? Yeah. So I, I am kind of glad too. Like once he got released, we could kind of see the the brains behind Joey Janela with all these matches, and it's been been fun and entertaining. I hope we get uh Pagano versus Joey part three uh some point here in the near future. I'm I'm thinking collective as kind of one of those marquee matchups for one of the shows because this is kind of the time where they're gonna start kind of pushing towards the collective and stuff like that, I think, just to start building up uh Ticket sales and stuff like that. I'm going. Yes, I am going. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't even care. Barring barring a fucking problem that I cannot see. From here on out, I'm gonna put some of these rosters, you know, the roster, I'm gonna put bread on warning. I am going to come to say hello. I can't wait to say hello. We put a lot of work into making sure that GCW gets on a lot of eyes for free. We cannot wait to talk to all of you. It'll be fantastic. It's gonna be a fantastic time, and I want to meet some of these fans because some of the fans talk to us here and there online, and it'd be kind of nice to say hi to them too. And uh, it'll be nice to be regulars
0: in LA. Yes, the LA crowd is always something else. In three to four <laughs> days of it, with twelve, uh, well, ten or twelve shows, however many they do, it's that is going to be a fun weekend. It's going I, to be unique. Yeah, that's the one thing I'm looking forward to: is the collective weekend. I'm not even planning on going to. I have no thoughts of going to WrestleMania. I just want to go to GCW Collective and, and actually all the other stuff that's going to be around in that same venue, and independent wrestling as well. Going into our sixth matchup of the evening, I don't think this one was announced. I think this was kind of sprung up on us, and I was kind of pleasantly surprised to see this match, was Willie Mack going against Jimmy Lloyd. And I, I, I said this last time, and it just... This one even reaffirmed it even more. Willie Mack is fucking over. I that yeah, that yeah. pop that he gets when he comes out, like that's two shows in a row. He's probably It's no mistake then. Yeah, with Nick Gage, he is one and two. It's been Nick Gage and Willie Mack being the top two pops where they come out and I know he is a West Coast, like he wrestles all the, like his home is West Coast, I believe. And I've seen him mostly all the stuff, all his wrestling is in West Coast. So, Mm -hmm. but to hear the crowd behind him that much is awesome to see. And yeah, once again, he was super over and against Jimmy Lloyd. It kind (laughs) of, that was an interesting matchup. I was kind of wondering what was, what to expect in this matchup. I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. I just kind of just see a bunch of crazy shit. And then, as uh, we were saying, the bottom rope was still not fully fixed. So I was wondering how that would affect Willie Mac and Jimmy Lloyd because I saw Willie Mac kind of just on instinct, kind of reach up as he was getting into the ring, reach for that bottom rope, and it wasn't there. And he's like, "Oh!" He looked at the fans and like, "I gotta reach higher and grabbed onto the second mm-hmm. rope." So, um, yeah, I didn't. I had no expectations going into this match because like, I, I don't think this was even announced, and I was just kind of hoping for a good match, and it was all right. It was kind of. Kind of a filler match, but it was kind of cool seeing Willie Mac in there with a person like Jimmy Lloyd, another great competitor for Jimmy Lloyd to kind of show how versatile he is in GCW and all the types of wrestling matches he has. And um I just wish this match would have been, got a little bit longer. It was only six minutes, but it was good. It was just kind of nice getting seeing Willie Mac in that pop again. Is my big takeaway from this match. Both both did. Pretty good. It was an okay match. Nothing crazy. Nothing. Uh. Nothing awful. So I. I was okay with this match. It was good. It was a good match, but I just wish we kind of had time to do something a little bit better. So the bottom ring rope being repaired as the match
1: starts was just funny. They were still working on this thing. Both men start out with a quick and agile exchange, especially for their size. I wanted to write that down because they really did come out like they were two young 20-year-old somethings. So it was really entertaining. Lloyd was uh, hitting himself with a chair at one point. Mac has a tremendous kip up to a standing moonsault. It was just beautiful. And he followed that up with a Canadian Destroyer into a spine buster. At one point, about halfway through this match, which is only about three minutes in, Mac was favoring his left shoulder and jimmy went for a splash and the top turnbuckle broke so uh it was funny to hear a good old hot tub guy say he blew jimmy's back out not in a good way <laughs> I thought that was hilarious but um Mac hits a frog splash onto Jimmy on a door. There was a couple good spots in this. They did fill up 6 minutes quite well. Again, I believe this was just like you were saying, a throw together match. They went out there, they did something entertaining and they left space for other matches and I'm actually yeah. damn happy they did because all these other matches were fantastic.
0: Yep, I'm for it too and they all, all these other matches just Deserved that time because like we said, like, I think the pacing of all these matches tonight was awesome. This was the kind of the ones I was like, really? Six minutes? But it does make sense because of everything else that has happened before to this point and what was going to happen after this point as well. They needed that time to kind of... uh Leave that time available for some post-show stuff. Oh,
1: if it's if it's six more minutes on Willie Mack or it's six more minutes on that you know tag team, I'll take oh God, I'll yeah. go ahead and take right. that tag team first. And again, I think that was a great decision when it comes to time management.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, so I gave my thoughts of in person. That's what I had. It kind of had it was an okay match. It was. Fun. It did what it needed to do, fill some time, and I wish it would have gone longer just to see these two competitors go at it more. But when I got home and watched this show, I I am now a giant fan of how they're kind of doing the commentary. I love how in this match, I love how in this match they brought in Jordan Castle and uh Sean, the hot tub guy. I loved how they brought them in because Sean knows West Coast wrestling in and out. His knowledge. Yeah, he does. Respect. His, yes. His knowledge that he has for all these competitors on the West Coast brought so much to the commentary team. And Jordan, I think the one thing I just want Jordan to do is just show a little bit more excitement. Not that like he has improved greatly since we this whole commentary stuff has kind of changed and we kind of talked about. At the beginning, it just wasn't for us. We needed the energy. We started to feel it. But these were this was one of those matches where Jordan's starting to get it. I just want to see a little bit more energy. But him and Sean brought so much to this match in on video. I like I said, I loved them together, it was awesome. And they both brought the, the knowledge for West Coast fans, which is awesome for new viewers, especially those new catching up on Fight TV Plus now. Um for the important angles and stuff like that. And I just think Jordan's background um, and Sean's background clicked perfectly for West Coast style matches. And this was one with Willie Mack where I think it gave perfect justice of why Willie Mack is so over with the crowd for those of us in person. and But for those of at home, they did a great job explaining why he's so popular, even though we've seen him twice on GCW. But for him to get this pop as a new wrestler, here's why. Because he is a... SoCal wrestling kind of legend, and this is all the cool stuff that they did. And John and Jordan did a great job of informing the audience of that.
1: I'm gonna jump back real quick on the commentary thing. I actually put my hands in the air, you saw me. I was really happy to hear you say it because both you and I, no lie, when KG was first gone, we were kicking and screaming because that's somebody we really did like uh, in that position. And we did like him in that position and and we kicked and screamed till the very last. And we sit here today after we has, we've watched, I don't know, 10 plus shows or more that have different commentary now. And I'm going to echo everything that my partner here says. And I'm also going to say that I am seeing Emil, you'll agree with me. I'm seeing Emil really um, get comfortable in his part and it's made him a better commentary uh, person overall.
0: Yeah, him, so. and, him and Dave have clicked, and I like how they're now... It's it's just any commentary team. You need you need to get the chemistry. You need to give it time. Uh-huh. And I think that's what I kind of always said I loved about the Hammerstein show was all the different commentary teams. We got all these different knowledgeable people, which was perfect for each match. And I think when you have matches like a Willie Mack against Jimmy Lloyd, like, why is Willie Mack so popular? Who's... Who on our can we put on commentary to relay this message to the fans not in attendance who have no idea maybe who Willie Mac is, but they see him getting cheered, probably the loudest of the night up until this point. And Sean, so smart on his West Coast stuff. I loved this team when they did LA fights. This commentary team was my favorite of LA fights because that's all all West Coast talent, and they. Are they have that stuff. And like I said, at that time, that's when Jordan kind of fits more with traditional wrestling, in my opinion. That's the only thing I'm seeing lacking on the energy that he's bringing to GCW shows. But I'm seeing improvement every time. And every time he's gotten better and better. And I just think with more time with these two to gel, I think for these scramble matches or these these matches that focus more on the LA kind of talent or the West Coast talent if they bring those two in just for these matches here and there, I'm all for it because I think they add a lot more valuable information than what a Dave Prazek or maybe, maybe MLJ could provide just because they're in the trenches watching indie wrestling from West Coast Pro and all these other promotions out here on the West Coast where I don't know how much Dave Prazek and I know MLJ watches a lot of wrestling, but I'm just saying they're more aware of these wrestlers and what they can provide than I think what Dave Prazak does because Dave Prazak kind of does more of the bigger matches. And I'm all fine for having that kind of difference in commentary team just because Dave I don't I like Dave Prazak calling a Nick Gage match more than I would like a Jordan Castle not calling a Nick Gage match, if that makes any sense. Like I think just how they kind of separate the two teams, the two commentary teams, I think is a very smart way to do it. And I think they did a very good job during this match as well.
1: The only thing I'll say to wrap it up was that it was a quick, entertaining match full of excitement. And I think for six minutes, it was well done. Extremely well done.
0: Yeah. And I've actually on the next match show, I'll kind of hit up commentary again, because I, this is where I think Jordan Castle does uh, awesome background knowledge for this match of giving us... Uh, The background on the person that comes out here when we cover this next match. But I I just wanted to say Jordan's been... like I love these commentary teams and I keep on wanting to see them grow and get the chemistry to get even better. For the next match of the evening is the grudge match between... This asshole, Charles Mason, <laughs> going against Effie. And all I was Effie. praying for was a Christmas miracle for me. A way to end the New Year's this year off. And to start the new year off with a smile on my face with Effie destroying Charles Mason. Unfortunately, I didn't get too much of it. But I did get a couple good screenshots of Effie making Charles Mason cry in pain and scream in pain. And I actually have that as one of my new uh, wallpapers on my phone just to see Charles Mason with the tears in his face and with the pain going throughout his body because of Effie. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me how you feel.
1: I (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yes, you do. And see, for me, I really love all this. I like the storyline that's been brought here because it at least gives me something. It's intrigue. We could have watched just these two go against each other here and there. And then he, you know, but having that storyline adds that dimension to it. And it seems like with Charles Mason, there's always a story. And I appreciate that from Charles, even though you want to see him cry. He, um, yeah. Yeah. Have <laughs> you have something way. to say.
0: No, I'm the you same way. I, uh, yeah. I love how we always say storylines. Charles Mason's in it. And that's what I think makes us hate him more because he's. The yeah. great storytelling that's happening. And another thing we've always been asking for are video packages. And right before this Oh match, my gosh, yes. Right before this match, once again, another amazing job on the video package of us for the fans that are watching on at home that aren't there. That video package, I think it was like a minute to two minutes. Perfect setup of why we're all going to root for Effie to kick Charles Mason's ass. And their use of this video the productions are, has been awesome. Fantastic. Yes. And this was a perfect one. I even wrote on my notes, like, great call on this video to give the fans at home background knowledge of why this is a storyline of what's happening for right before this match happens. And I loved that as a production team.
1: Well, again, this is one of those things that we spoke about. We didn't complain, but we did say, hey, we could use this because it adds layers to to the to the performance and honestly it's not that much to grab a mic for 25 seconds and explain why the hell you don't like that motherfucker over there and why you want to beat the shit out of him. It's really that easy. I really do appreciate this and I'm really happy that um, this has developed into something I don't want to say much more productive, but there's just much more production in play here and it and it looks a hell of a lot better. It really does. Adds so a lot. I do appreciate it. It does add a lot. It makes it look a lot more professional, honestly. So, um, Charles Mason and Effie, Charles came out to some heavy ass booze. I think it's great. We need heels like that. We need guys who the fans absolutely hate. And this was one of them for sure. Um, when this match started, we'd pretty much realized that the bottom rope is not going to be used or yeah, it's just not going to be there at <laughs> all. And it wasn't, It got me thinking that bottom rope. I know it's there more or less for safety, but boy, it's almost nicer for the performers if they didn't have to use that. I know it sounds weird, but I, I,
0: I was trying to figure all that as well. I was like, okay, yeah, they're not going to obviously put it up because it's, they think it's broken or whatever and they're just not even going to bother. So I was wondering how that would affect the rest of the night. And other than I think just like normal, like just out of habit you're when you reach up for the bottom rope or something like just them reaching for it out of habit i just i just get a little worried there of like hey let's do this move thinking or always knowing that the bottom rope's there but now this time it's not i always like kind of wondered that's good going back to that willie Mac match when they uh they did the the cannonball and it broke the bottom rope fully off of that one too but it's like they tried doing another cannonball during this match and they're like uh I don't think it's going to work because you're not tall enough. Your head won't reach the second rope. So it is kind of weird, like how it affected it. But I also thought like, how much is it really needed to, uh, to a point as well?
1: You know what? I was laughing about the obvious Effie chance, a lot of fucking Effie chance. There's a spot where Mason spits on Effie and Effie beats on him. His jacket wasn't even off. And he started kicking the shit out of Mason uh, my mason was fighting in what looked like a full tux and i thought that was fairly impressive effie was bleeding on the left fu- uh, side of his face and i couldn't exactly explain how that happened to him despite um, the spike on his jacket here we are again where spikes on jackets fuck things up but remember was, jericho's jacket fucked yeah. up moxley's eye and uh, I was you know storyline maybe
0: yeah but i was hoping i don't really, know was it yeah it was to a OK, point. Well, I
1: don't know if it was, you know, ah, well, that's why I head <laughs> to a point. Listen to you. So, um, no, I'm kind of wondering, was it, you know, was it real or was it fake? Because I was I always wondered about that one. If he actually poked his eye and hurt himself and they had to play it out for
0: a month or two because that can happen. Uh, eye for an eye had something has to eye for an eye for eye for eye for eye match. I was kind of hoping Effie would use his jacket a little more as a weapon cuz like as you said he wrestled the first couple of oh, minutes yeah. with the jacket on and that's how he scratched himself where he had Charles Mason in the corner and he I I kind of saw like the area where it was clean and all of a sudden you just see the red start dripping and it's the spikes right there but at that same moment I'm like Put your jacket in Mason's eye, stab his eye out. Let's go. Like use those spikes to your advantage. But it's funny that you caught on like the bleeding, but it was from his own spikes. Uh little uh, self-damage there by Effie. Okay, so I have an idea. At some point,
1: we need Effie to be a referee. He could be Refie.
0: I don't give a shit.
1: I I thought it was fucking funny. But um, yeah, Refie. So anyway, yeah, Mason did. A- so uh there was a spot where mason (laughs) i can see you laughing muted okay so (laughs) so uh mason puts a chair on effie's head and then slams him into the ring post it was a vicious looking move there's another spot where effie gets his own wrestling is gay fan shoved down his own throat uh mason and effie really did trade being in control in minutes at a time so mason had two and a half minutes effie'd take two mason would have two effie would have three and a half and then so on and so forth this is a 15 and a half minute match they stretched out nicely like i had said earlier it has a fantastic pace to it i really do like how that went they did the whole thing where they go to kiss and Effie thinks that's what was going to happen. And Mason bit Effie's lip really, really hard about halfway through this. I wrote in my notes, and this is a pretty good match. I, I'm going to repeat myself, but I put it here in my notes. I like Mason's style of allowing time for drama. That's match pacing. I love his pacing. He gives breathability so that whatever he's doing, um, uh, not only shows an effect, but it allows people to really take in the pain that he's, you know, been given there. I'm going to leave it at that for a second before I go further because it goes more into the ending and kind of throw it back over to you.
0: I, I there like yeah, we hate. I I'm storyline hate Mason. Like I actually think he's <laughs> super good at what he does, and to get that reaction, like it's Tony level good, Tony Deppen level good, but in a yeah. kind of different way. Anthony, which i i kind of appreciate i think charles always has the perfect timing and perfect idea of what to do next to get the crowd to absolutely fucking hate him and he's just he's a super good heel like he is perfect for what he is doing um but this was like the, the probably the match i've seen the most in gcw uh and jcw as well that he took the most damage on where I actually kind of was thinking this might be the ending of everything, which I kind of think until we find out what happened at the end, I thought it was kind of a good way to end it to finally get someone over on Charles Mason because Charles Mason seems to always get the victory and always has the advantage. I think as much damage as he took during this match, I thought it'd be kind of a cool way to end the year of, Hey, like I said, give me my present of Charles Mason's going to finally lose. And it's have it's Effie to do. And I think that'd be perfect storytelling to have Effie do it. But up until this point, I was enjoying this match. It Charles Mason is an incredible heel. Effie did a really good job of making Charles Mason look good, but I think also playing up to the Effie spots, as you said, the kiss and everything and like him kind of like, yeah, come here, Like, he drops to his knees and like undoes the belt buckle and stuff like that. I was like, whoa, what's going on? And then I was like, God, Charles Mason's so good. He uses the the belt to start whipping him and stuff like that. So I just think both competitors were amazing and awesome during this match, and they told a great story. And we haven't even got to, like we said, to the ending part. And that's where I... And one little thing I'm kind of like, didn't understand, but it's also a little thing, so I'm not going to get too worked up on it, but... Um, at the end too, I think commentary does a great job and I'll, after we kind of go over everything, I'll explain why I think commentary did a great job during this match, but Charles Mason using that fan on F. He was smart. I liked it. It was another one that was like, ah, I didn't even think of something like that. And he played it off perfectly. And his interactions with the LA crowd is even more awesome just because we all know how hated he is in AC. And I think this was his first time in LA in an actual match. I think like during last year's collective, he came out and kind of interrupted a match to set up a story. Oh yeah. When he set up the storyline with dark Sheik. but this was his first match in LA, I believe. And I think he is now one of these automatic people that as soon as we hear see Charles Mason, we are absolutely booing the shit out of him.
1: Okay. So I'm going to jump the gun because I have a feeling I know what you may say, but I'm going to say this. And if you agree, or if I'm in that realm, you know, break in and let me know when something important is going on in the ring commentary knows when to shut the fuck up and let whatever's going on in the ring play out without any talk, without any getting in the way when something high emotion is going on. Commentary always just shuts up. And I love it because that lets whatever's going on in the ring breathe and it tells a much better story. We're supposed to be paying attention, not, you know, to that, not some guy explaining what we can see with their own eyes. So, I don't know who um, who focuses on that, but I can tell someone actively does focus on making sure they shut up when something important is going on. And I 100 percent appreciate it because I think it's important. I'm right there with all the old veterans that are, you know, have their own podcasts where they believe if somebody has something important to say, shut up and let them say it. You always have time afterwards to talk about what just happened. Don't do it during.
0: Yeah, that's uh, one of the places I was going with the commentary. Um, okay. Why I think they were pretty good of like letting it, like you said, letting it all breathe. But um, we'll talk about kind of what happens and I'll I'll get to that part when we get there. So uh, the one here's the one thing I'll kind of take this part for you, because this is the one thing I did not like at all. Once mm-hmm. this random guy comes out again and brings the box and I'm like, what is in this fucking box? What is going on? Like, there's got to be something big in this box and it's specifically made for Effie or Allie Catch or something. Right. All it is, is that damn piano wire. Like, really? really <laughs> a big box for this? Like, it couldn't be in his jacket. It couldn't, like, be in his pocket. Like, I... I well, there's...
1: We don't know the end, yo. Yeah, that, true, true, uh, Yeah, true. we don't know the end yet. Absolutely um, true. He may do something and put something in that box and have that guy carry it off at some point, And then that becomes a further storyline. What happened True. to that guy and that box? What if he takes Effie's jacket, throws it in a box, and he runs off with it? There's a whole storyline there about his missing jacket and blah, blah, blah. Man, I've got storylines for days on shit like this.
0: I was just disappointed it was the... Piano wire that we already know. It's like, wait, what were he, you waiting? What, you, what were you thinking else? You were just thinking something better. Something that is specific to Effie in this match. It was something specifically. Oh, that, I got you. Like out of okay. Effie's pass or something that Effie like you know what? I, or something towards. Effie. I think he. I think he blew the wad on that one when uh,
1: he used his fan on him because remember he choked yeah. him with his own fan. Yeah,
0: I just. I'm hated. thinking
1: maybe. I just hated the piano mm-hmm. wire. I get you. I get you. I
0: like get it. Big old box. And it's just this little piano wire. Like, I was, uh, I, don't know, I know, right? But it is a small thing to whine about. It just the only negative it. thing, I think, during this match for me live and even watching. Well, I already knew what was happening. Like, when I go back and rewatch it, but like live, like that was the one part of this match. I was like, like, I felt let down just for that brief kind of second. And then, okay, you're right, going to use right. the wire, choke Effie. Is he going to like it? Is he not going to like it? Because they did play up to that part, at least. like Charles, like, I know you like this stuff, but you're not going to like it when it's my hands doing it to you. So I Mm -hmm. get that part to understand the need for a box is what is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) It it got me. We'll see. We'll see. So, yeah, we'll see.
1: Because it seems like Mason's one of these types that he seems to put some thought into his storylines. Exactly. So if that guy is still coming out, there's going to probably be a purpose later. You're frustrated with the fact you don't really know why yet. And uh, you're also things. thinking there's too much for what you're saying is there was too much there, too much bang and not enough, you know,
0: well, like maybe, it just wasn't me all too. maybe I just got yeah. excited. What's well, it a this personal box? preference? And then, boom, it's a piano wire. Like I, we are to get the piano wire. You use it all the time. Yeah. I don't know. Personal preference, yeah. personal preference. And
1: that's that's real. I was saying that earlier, man. Personal preference on things. It doesn't make me right
0: or wrong. It's just yeah. personally, it that's what away. I think. And it, it didn't take no. away ultimately from just in that quick second. I'm like really the goddamn wire again? Like for this big old box, <laughs> I don't mind him using the wire. Just, you did not need to like, maybe I got falsely teased and Hey, that's the asshole in Charles Mason. You want to falsely tease all these people, get them excited and then crush my hopes and dreams and get me to f- say, fuck you again. Like I been saying Sir Charles Mason all the time. So it could, as you said, it could lead into something else. But in that quick moment, that was like the first letdown I've had during this match. And it ultimately did not hinder anything else for, the rest of this match because I kind of loved everything that happened after this, that point.
1: Well, um, I noticed that right after, you know, Effie's getting choked, here comes Allie. She comes in for the save, starts beating a little bit on Mason. And then a big man comes into the ring. I mean, he was a big boy and he grabs Bussy at this point. It's Bussie and double choke slam both of them. And I, I don't know what the hell was going on, but whoever it was was huge because he went ahead and grabbed a hold of catch and then uh, she gets a pile driver and drum roll. The masked man is Pero and I'm okay with that. I actually like Pero. We can talk a little bit about this. Do you want to? Yes. I.
0: Tell me. I love it. Talk to me. I love it and uh, I kind of, I once he stepped in the ring and the way he kind of was walking towards Effie before he even did anything. The way he walked, I was like, that's fucking Pero. Like, in my mind, I was like, that's Pero. Because Perro The body build, the upper yeah. body build. And the way he yeah. walks, like, it's just a lumbering, like, I'm a giant. I got a lot of body mass. I got a lot yep. of muscles. Like, he kind of has, like, a hunch forward walking right away. I was like, that's fucking Pero. And I... I was marking out, like, I was like, it's Peril, it's Peril. And like, people are looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you? Why are you yeah, getting excited? Who's Peril? And that's, here's where I have a problem. Nobody around me knew what Peril was. Nobody got excited. They're just like, oh, okay, he's big. And I'm like, I know why it's Perro. It's so great right. that it's Perro messing with Fe and having helping out Charles Mason to go against F I like, I loved it because they have a great history, and I love when I got home and I watched it on this on Fight TV. Jordan Castle once again knocked it out of the park for new viewers and. Maybe viewers that did not understand why, who cares if it's Perro? Like, like me, I loved it, I understood it all, I was marking out. But for the everyone else, like around me, live and, and did not know, like, okay, who is this guy? And now, who's Perro? What is he? Okay, he's just a big guy. But not knowing the background that Perro and Effie had, Jordan made got. And this is where his excitement. God, he's like, it's Paro! It's I loved mm-hmm. it. This is where I love Jordan. He stepped it up. This is a level I want to see Jordan Castle have because his excitement and the background knowledge he gave on Paro and Effie's history, right away for new viewers, you should understand why that spot was cool, why it happened. Everything makes sense for you. You're still in the storyline and not just on the outside of not understanding what just happened because he gave such a great background of knowledge and bringing up that there is history there. And even when dark Sheikh came out, how there's history repair on dark Sheikh, I loved everything Jordan did on commentary. And like, I, like I said, I marked out, but everyone around me is like, what the hell? And then hearing Jordan mark out on commentary, it's like, that's the excitement that we've been wanting. And the knowledge that he dropped was awesome. But like I said, unfortunately it seemed like the UCC had no idea who, who that was, but, Like I said, I did have a bunch of new people to wrestling and especially GCW wrestling around me. So, of course, I'm good. Got to give them the buy on that one. But to see Mm -hmm. Jordan make that great call, give us a reason of why this is important, I think was so awesome on commentary for him.
1: Okay. So, I'm going to go back to Peril for a moment. I'm happy to see him on more of the main roster instead of sometimes being more on, say, LA fights or JCW. So, I really am a big fan of Haas's, so he checks all that box right there. He's got a TV-ready face. He's strong as hell. I believe he's done some work on AEW, correct? Um,
0: I believe he may have been on dark, dark or Dark Elevation.
1: Yeah, I think I've seen um, him Dark. But I believe that he's in a position where if he continues to do what he's doing, he can have a, a fantastic job at quite a few places. But yeah, he's got a great look to him, and... um yeah, we need someone like that, and yeah, that, I I wish I could say more. I'm trying to find more here, but the only other thing about that was just the fact that I was laughing that his hair was blonde. It was kind of a mind fuck, I think, on Effie.
0: And uh, yeah, I yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's a little thing too that could go into the storyline. Now, like they have a history, and. I like outside of GCW and I, I loved the peril call. I, and he is the perfect person to do this because what do we always have? Like a person like Charles Mason, when these bad ass, like the, the super bad apples that we don't like the bad guys that always comes in and ruin stuff. and so then runs away, never gets to come up in. What do they always have in front of them? A big old muscle head to kind of, block it all and Mm -hmm. save Charles Mason at the end of the day. And Para was the perfect fit for the storyline. I loved how they wrapped it up into that part. And I'm glad now it's not over because now we get to see what happens with these two. And now with dark Sheik coming out, I'm wondering if there is still someone else. Charles has up his sleeve or, has a contact in to kind of even the odds and even the score with dark Sheik and bussy going against Perro and Charles Mason. I'm now interested to see this storyline further. like, I thought it was ending and I was fine with it, but now with how it's extending it, I'm all for it. And I'm excited to see what's in store for the future here. Huh. I wonder who a third would be.
1: Well, I don't know. Um, I would be interested in finding out. I would also like to see Allie turn on Effie. I think there's a big storyline there. Yeah. A big storyline. I yeah, think we that's waiting to that. happen. Yeah. And then we find out that uh, her and Mason are a couple.
0: And see, that's what I originally kind of thought once Mason or once Ali came out and kind of saved Effie. I my first immediate thought was, holy shit, are we going to get the turn that me and you talked about on the last podcast? Because that would be kind of cool. But it wouldn't make sense. But they would kind of find maybe some way to make it make make sense like they always do. But that, I did have that initial thought. It's like, holy shit, Allie Catch is going to do what we just said. She's going to turn on Effie and go towards Charles yep. Mason. And we're going to get like the big Mason and uh, Allie Catch kiss to get everybody to start throwing shit into the ring. And that would elevate Allie, as we said, change up her character and elevate her to a higher status than what she kind of is now, where it's kind of seems like she's just not going through the motions, but just kind of there with Effie during this whole thing. So. Uh, it did kind of quickly catch my eye, but it still now is. Who knows what's going to happen with the story Then that? I just wonder if they're going to bring in someone else to kind of even the odds with Dark Sheik and Team bussy. I wonder who Charles Mason could bring in to help even Sawyer Ruck. Wow, Initial thought, but then I just she'd be a great heel. Yeah, for sure.
1: I think she'd be a fantastic heel, and and has the strength to make the part too. She can throw people yeah, around.
0: Maybe, yeah, they kind of mess. Do they do some sort of ex, explanation. Explaining and give us an explanation, I think I would be way more behind it because I do like that idea too. I just think they're with the way Sawyer Rex gone that, they'd have to be some sort of changes that could easily be done in one or two shows. So,
1: well, after all this shit went down, basically, Dark Sheik had then run in. She had a baseball bat and decided she was going to help her fellow member- members of Thrusy. um I thought it would have been cool to have ally and Dark Sheik come out together to save Effie. When Allie gets ready to hit Mason, Dark Sheik decks Allie. Boom. That's another way. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And then we'd have Sheik... And then we'd have oh yeah, it would be a fun one. We'd have Mason,
0: Sheik, and Perro. And see, Sheik, like I didn't even brought, I brought it up earlier, but like Sheik and Mason have a history and stuff. So I I, I love this whole storyline. It it, yep. it it made sense. Like I'm, that's why I'm kind of mad that like, no one around me like popped like how I did. I couldn't like share my excitement or high five. No one. I'm just like the only one. Perro Pero, and they're all like why are you chanting? Who the fuck is Pero? Why? Like, right. Why are you so excited for him? Like, okay, I'm around a uh, non GCW fans, but it was still, it was fine. It was Perro, I think was a great call. Well,
1: so the other thing I'm going to talk about a little bit here, and this match had most uh, quite a bit of wrestling, but with the crowd that's at this show, do you feel that there was a concerted effort made to make sure that there was a wrestling heavy product that night? because of the lucha fans because of the vikingo fans do you feel like because the fans were showing up like that they wanted their performers to show out that night because like you said there was a lot of new people in the crowd they had the opportunity to make a lot of new fans
0: i I think Um, they did yeah
1: um yeah 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 how were those new fans by the end of the night were most of them excited most
0: of them okay did you hear anything at all from you know i heard quite a few like right after the first or second match like holy shit we're coming next time we're getting front row seats like this is awesome they're fighting in the uh-huh. and then as the nights goes and like especially the next match that kind of goes all over the place too they're like holy shit they're wrestling a right bias and like we're way back here it's like yeah you guys are in for something if you've never been to GCW always the front row yeah and you see the excitement that I like we felt probably at our first GCW shows it's like wow mm-hmm. I want to sit front row next time that's how I felt after seeing the first one well actually, yep. I kind of didn't feel that way because of light tubes and stuff so I was like maybe I'll ease into it, but as I right. kind of went to the more shows, like, yeah, front row is the way to go. But I did hear a lot of fans overall positive saying, I can't wait to come back. I, I want to go to another GCW. I want to bring my friend. I don't know if he still watches wrestling. Like right. it, I heard a lot of positive uh Things like I just, even that, like, that one guy that just wanted the lucha mesh in, and he was still having fun and excitement. Like, I did see him like little later on, he did kind of like fade to the back a little bit, but he was still like cheering and stuff like that. So, overall, I think the fans loved it. And, um, I think they, as you said, they booked this, they need to start booking LA kind of like how they did throw in the lucha matches, throw in the death matches, throw in the fuckery, and Throw in the people that you could just absolutely boo and just get in their faces with a Charles Mason with the Cardona and stuff like that, and with Tony Depp and stuff. I think, yeah, they booked this one perfectly for that. Maybe not knowing that they're getting all these new fans, but knowing it's going to be one of their biggest audiences of the year. Yep. Or especially at, at uh, the UCC, I think they they hit a home run. Like I, I did not hear negative anything from anybody around me. Okay, so this
1: is the last spot where I can say there was just a great story told. I'm not a fan of no contest endings, not at all. By the way, our winner, it showed as Charles Mason because there was like, it was basically a no contest more than anything else. Charles Mason attacked Effie and so on and so forth. So the whole thing was thrown out. So I'll go back to what I was saying. I'm not really a fan of no contest unless it furthers an interesting story. I wouldn't also complain about a paro surprise debut either. So things like this, I'm perfectly fine with. Surprise debuts sometimes tend to happen in the middle of matches anyway. So this was one of those few times where I was really okay with having a no contest. It's rare, but everything that was... I'm trying to think of a good word for it. You could tell it's kind of late for us. It seems for some reason, um, the production was just done so damn well that I could have cared less that it was a no contest. The story was more important than the win and loss. I oh, that's it right there. The story yeah. was more important than the win and loss. I could have given a shit less who won. I wanted to see who was who was coming out next. Who was fighting who? Who was on whose side? It was um,
0: it was fantastic. It was storytelling. I was percent agree with you. You said it perfectly. I hate no contest. Like that's what my whole thing was when Charles mm-hmm. Mason interrupted the tag match with Bussy and Jordan and Nick Wayne it was like, why? Like, why did we have this 15 minute great match and there's no ending? We hated it at right. the point, but it furthered a storyline of, okay, now I hate Charles Mason more because he just fucked this matchup and he attacked one of our fan favorites. So I, you said it perfectly. I am not a fan favorite of no contests and draws either. Unless there's a story to tell. And I, I, I loved peril was the perfect, perfect fit for this whole story. The only thing I'm scared of is they need to further this immediately. They need to have peril on the next show. They need to explain why perils with Charles, how it came to be because the debut, I think for in person, awful. Like, no reaction because nobody really knew who para was i in my in, in my area so i can and think that's of damn area. sad
1: yeah honestly he's a he's a good worker and yeah that's damn sad i hope i hope the world sees more of him I'm not going to lie. I'm almost going to probably get a hold of Perl and be like, dude, you have to listen to us. We put
0: you over hard. I would let him. Fucking good. We like him. I would let him come on here and explain why is he working with that asshole Charles Mason? I'd even let Charles (laughs) Mason come on here and explain that I probably can't afford him because he's probably going to charge me up the ass. But, you know, I would love to have him just explain, give the explanation, because that's what I'm afraid of right now, because I'm thinking of the last surprise uh, debut. Even though it wasn't his debut, it kind of I I announced it as his debut, but then I realized like a couple months prior he wrestled in like a random uh, matches. Yeah, also. yeah. Uh, Toa and Leona. I oh yes, that debut was awesome for us. But then nothing, nothing right. happened after that. He hasn't been on GCW since. The crowd had no sold it because they didn't know who he was. And I, you dropped the ball right there. You cannot bring Toa back. You want
1: to know how to do it? You want to know how to do this for Pero? Okay, you ready? Uh, for either of them yeah. but well for peril it I was done toa. very well yeah for toa here's what happens man you run fucking da da dun, da da, da dun. you know da 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 for 3 weeks before the son of a bitch shows up e- or I mean for 3 shows before he's supposed to show up every show you're running a promo on guess who's coming da 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 da, 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 da. just you know something like almost like terminator 2 like with the drums just You know, and they go, guess who's coming? And then when he comes out, people are expecting this great man with this great thing. And there he is with this fantastic look. And now he has this build. He has the look to go intact. And now it's all down to storytelling and his capabilities. And we may have a very over-motherfucker. All it took was somebody putting together a small video package of him and just replaying it three or four times, throwing it on the internet a couple days a week.
0: That's it. I mean, it sounds like easy. But, you know, I just I'm sure think they they kind of missed the boat on Toa. Like, it's been so long. Like, he did, he did the run-in as the masked person. Nothing after that. And now, this was months ago. Like, I just think months have yeah, passed yeah. where it's, they, that's gone. Like, even if they did that video to me right now, like, I would get it. I know Toa, whatever. Now I would get excited for it. But those people, they might have forgotten he was the one who did that a couple weeks ago. But then now there's no point. Okay, he showed up against Starboy Charlie months ago. But what has he done since then? Why? Like, I just think the timing of not using it and not explaining has ruined it. Where that's where I I hope they don't do that for Peril. Like, I would be right now getting Peril on the next GCW show and fucking with Effie again. Maybe Charles Mason and him, Peril, come out. Charles Mason, or they could do this. At home right now, do film the video of Charles Mason explaining why he picked Perro, why Perro is the one to help him beat Effie. Why does Perro want to join Charles Mason? Why does Effie do, like explain the history? They could do that right now with the video and put that out tomorrow, and boom, they have capitalized and they didn't let that Perro thing sit. Because I think if they wait, like how they did with Toa, it's dead in the water right away. So, uh like I said, I loved everything. I I just hope they kind of. Keep this momentum going and not let it kind of fizzle away. Like how I feel, Toa Leona's kind of mass debut or re-debut with the mask or whatever was happening. Because I think Toa shows up tomorrow, nobody's gonna give a fuck. I and I hate to say it, and it has nothing on him. I just, all the excitement and hype is gone. I understood. I understood. Um. So what I was gonna say about Para was, yeah, I'd
1: I'd start building him towards main eventing in the next year. I'm not going to lie. He looks like a real fucking opponent. He looks like somebody who should take on a champion. Like I'm I'm not going to bullshit. Nick Gage versus Pero, if Pero's at the top of his game, would be a fantastic match and it would do nothing but make Nick Gage look better in the end.
0: And Pero so. gets with the death matches too for those of you that might not know who Pero is still. And you don't know, like Perro does death matches. He's does everything. He's he's a pretty good worker. He's got the size. He's got the story. Like he's good. I I wouldn't mind seeing him and Nick Age like going into a death match against each other. Wow. Well, yeah. I didn't know we agreed so much on this one. That was kind of a yeah. surprise.
1: But yeah, this is he's just one of those ones that I think he has an it factor, and um, we need to take advantage of
0: it because I
1: really do think there are big things in the future for Perro.
0: Or even Charles Mason using Perro to like get up and to for him to beat Nick Gage and stuff like that. I could kind of see that that's a cool story of what could be told with Charles Mason and Perro of Perro Charles doing Mason? all the hard work and Peryl yeah. Perro doing all the hard work and Charles Mason kinda just picking up the scraps and getting all the, the bliss for it because he's paying Perro because he's so rich and stuff like that. I think I think that um I think
1: he's gonna be AEW bound at some point. all. No, I really do think his character develops enough. He's got a good look. He has that menacing face. He knows how to do the whole, he does a really damn good job. How much better is he going to get before he moves up? Because I'm surprised he hasn't yet. So he's still a developing character, but for me to see him matured, I think he's going to mature nicely into an AEW spot for at least the next 10 years. And then who knows from there? Maybe he'll go somewhere else. But for me, I don't know why the look, the feel of him is so AEW. He has that new, fresh kind of heel. He's he's a new school heel. Yeah, is maybe the way. I don't know. But his approach is very new school.
0: Yeah, I'm very excited to see what happens with this story. Like because, like I said, I I love I loved it. <laughs> the whole match and the ending was perfectly done, and very excited to see what happens next with uh. Team Busy, Charles Mason, Impero, and Dark Cheek. Going into our eighth matchup of the evening, we have a GCW Tag Team title match as the champions Los Macisos go against the Rock Monsters, which is a team of BHK and Yuma. And I had no idea who the Rock Ness Monsters was. I never heard of them. Uh, they came out and I did not feel them at first. I was like, "Why are these?" I, just off first, before any in-ring action, anything. I was just like, "Right, why? right, right." And this was kind of frustrating. Why are they getting the tag team title match too? <laughs> like, you can just have a tag team. Like, don't call it eliminator, but like you could just silently do a regular tag team match. You don't have to put the titles on the line against this team. I've never heard of. Maybe they're like, maybe they are more popular on the in LA and uh, the. The California scene. I just have never heard of them or seen of them, and I didn't really get their looks. I didn't get anything from them. But by the end of this match, I'm in. I want to see them more. They they definitely won me over. I liked how the ending, their little kind of gimmick stuff that they how they worked with each other and with the uh, opponents of doing some of like their little comedy spots and. Um, kind of like their facial reactions and body motions. And I, I became a fan of those. I definitely want to see them I'm nowhere near a title shot right now, but they would be a fun little match against a waves and curls against the South Pacific savages against, uh, bad Tito. And, oh my God, I forgot who we teamed with that one night. I would like to see him against another similar level talents than mm-hmm. not the Los Macisos, unfortunately. So, um, what was your thoughts on this match?
1: okay so right off the bat rocknest flies birds in macizo's faces so they were going to be a heel both fought the outside in the first minute it was really hard hitting i was kind of surprised by that because i'm with you initially i didn't expect much from the rockness because they just looked very clean they looked clean cut they looked very they did not look gcw yeah and we were pleasantly surprised with that Chairs and doors were thrown in the ring by the third minute. There was a spot where Cyclope was swinging a chair into a chair that was on Yuma's face. Rockness had worked together for years though. I could tell you because it showed like they were just so fluid together. Yeah. You could tell they were two men who knew what the other, like they knew what the other was thinking and it was obvious, man.
0: Yeah. I, like I said, I don't, didn't know too much of him. I kind of, I don't, I would like to see them again, but like I said, not against any level of talent like those Masis. Like I think they'd be kind of good for LA fights, to be honest, but just to kind of grow a kind of a fan base or to kind of show more of what they're capable of for fans like me, because I'd never seen of them, but they did win me over at the night. Um I know we didn't talk about the finish yet, but like the my big takeaway from this match was the finish. I think it kind of should have ended one move earlier, and uh Kind of seeing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, they did the the top rope Canadian Destroyer. And I thought that should have been it. That was enough for me to finish these Rockettes Monsters. I don't think they should have kicked out. And they did. But I was actually watching Brett too during this part of the match and looking up at Brett. He was kind of, once he saw them kick out, I see him kind of just shake his head and kind of put his head back in the phone, still shaking his head no. Like, I think, like, I don't know what was going on in his mind, but I think he was thinking the same thing out of, like, why are we extent? Like, that should be enough for the Rockness Ness Monsters to finish. A top rope destroyer through a door. That's it. You should not let anybody kind of kick out unless it's, like, one of the top tier tag teams that's going for the title match, so... I just wish this – it just went on one move too much, but seeing Brett's reaction, I think he had the very similar thought maybe. Maybe he was shaking his head at something else, but I thought it was a cool-looking move and enough to finish them off. But unfortunately, uh, they decided to go on a little bit longer after that. But uh, it's another small little critique, in my opinion.
1: No, I get it. And if we can – I mean, if you have to go to that point, that's that's really getting down there, which means that everything else they did was absolutely yes. fantastic. One thing I will mention in this that I hadn't mentioned yet was there were some nasty chair shots that went on in this match. And usually that's Los Macisos doing. And yeah, the Ness definitely um, answered back and it really did look fantastic. Uh, you're right. Our winner was Los Macisos with that frog splash. I, uh, I didn't think of it the way you did. I just went, hey, that's the ending. Um, but I see your point when you mention it. So... Yeah, you're right. Same thing, personal opinion. Um, but yeah, I would see as a performer where you could have ended there and been quite all right with that also. Cool.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, it just seemed like now you can't hit that move on anybody and have that as a finisher. Because like if the Rockness Monsters kick out oh, of it, it kind of just kills yeah. the future of that move. Uh, in my opinion, not that it always does, but it just seemed... Right. The level of competition the Rockness Monsters provided, Los Macisos, in my opinion, it didn't need to have... That was a that even that was an overkill kind of finish. They could have just done their normal finishes and boom, be done with it. But and once again, a small critique. And like I said, overall, at the end of the night, I became a fan of the Rockness Monsters. Like I do want to see them again, but yep. like I said, just maybe in a little bit lower kind of setting, not in the co-main of not the co-main event, but in the second to last match before the main event happening, and for the GCW titles, I did not understand that, but it is what it is, and. Overall, a uh, decent match. I liked it. So I'm going to mention that nice opening
1: video package. I thought that was exactly what we needed. That's what exactly we've always needed. And I think it really put an accent on this uh, this match between these two competitors. There was a spot where Deppin tried to do a sneak attack and um, give Gage a spine buster. And boom, that's... Oh, I'm sorry. Deppin basically tried to sneak up on Gage. Because basically, Deppin's been doing this thing where he tries to get the first attack in on his opponent. And Gage was ready for it, and he gave Deppin a spine buster. And that's where the bell was rang.
0: Yeah, so I don't, I don't think we announced this match yet. That's why I was just cutting it off there. because uh, Oh, shit. Don't worry. <laughs> Dude, this is the kind of day. Everybody <laughs> hey. enjoy
1: this stumbling podcast. We're on the last At least we're real. Yes, right? Yeah, that's true.
0: So the main event comes up. It is GCW Uh world title match, Nick Gage going against Tony Depp. And as you said, I liked how kind of Tony Tony right away just started with his bullshit and Nick Gage wasn't having any of it, which I loved. I loved the the opening and stuff like that. And Tony had a different look in his mind during the or different look on his face when they were doing the pre-match introductions. Tony, like I was thinking maybe he could sneak one out here. Just because uh, the reason I was thinking that too is because there was no future title match for Nick Gage, like how they kind of did the last two or three matches and planning ahead. So I was wondering if maybe they didn't do that because Tony Deppin's going to be the champion or um, if literally like how they should be. Now, once Nick Gage is done with Tony Depp then we'll announce Nick Gage's next opponent. But I just had a look in Tony's eyes and the way his hair was done and everything. And I was like, man, this looks like a guy that thinks he's gonna win the belt tonight And i think it'll be kind of cool because he seemed to take it way super serious than he normally does he didn't do total asshole moves but he did enough to kind of get the heel heat on him while seeming like hey this is a big night i don't want those kind of antics to take away from what is possibly about to happen that's what i got just watching him during the pre-match introductions
1: okay so uh I don't know where in the hell I went, but I guess I just skipped time there, you know, a couple minutes ahead. Okay. So this is going to be one of those times where I'm going to go ahead and give a minute by minute rundown because there was a hell of a lot going on. And if anybody.
0: And in our main event of the evening for GCW's America's Most Wanted. It is the GCW world title match as the champion, the king, and the fucking god of this shit, Nick Gage, goes against our lovable asshole, Tony Deppin. And just off the entrances alone, Tony was, of course, super hated as he is everywhere else. But I think with his fresh cut, the look on his face... I To me, he had a look of, I'm going to win this thing tonight and I don't want to throw people's hats. I don't want to do anything too crazy. Even though he did throw a hat, you could kind of see he kind of immediately looked like he regretted it a little bit because the fans were all over him. And I don't think he wanted his pre-match antics to kind of interfere with possibly the... The realization at the end of the match of him winning the GCW world title. So I just noticed a different look in Tony, which really made me think that this was the night Tony Deppin could win. And yeah, this was a fun match. They both did exactly what they wanted to. Nick Gage got violent. Tony Deppin tried to prevent the violence as much as he could. But ultimately, in the end, Nick Gage uh, does take control of the match and has the pacing of the match the way that Nick Gage wants it to be. What was your thoughts on this match?
1: Okay, because I was laughing because this match was starting in classic Deppin style. When Gage isn't looking, Deppin runs over and tries to pull a sneak attack on him. Gage basically turns around, sees Deppin right before he gets to him and delivers a spine buster to him. Then that's when the bell becomes, uh, that's when the bell gets rang to be... uh, Wow, dude, this is okay. Guess what? This is not a professional show tonight. Well, it's not a professional (laughs) show anyway, but I am not very professional at night and that's just the way it's going to be. But at least I'm real. Is that what we say when we fuck up all the time? At least I'm real kind of thing when keeping it real goes wrong. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) shit. Yeah. So this is going wrong. So yeah, they went to the outside almost immediately. And this is where I'm going to give my minute by minute rundown. If there's a minute that's skipped, it's just because there was setup for whatever's coming up next or there was some real wrestling taking place. And in this match, there was a lot of real wrestling taking place. So here we go. Minute two, there was fighting outside of the ring still from the beginning of this match. And a chair was used on Deppin minute three, the Deppin snot rocket has happened. Minute five gauge sends Deppin headfirst into a chair. There was this weird sound on impact and Deppin was bleeding from his mouth. He kept checking his mouth. It looked like he possibly um, had, lost a tooth or at least a tooth has hit it uh, had hit some metal somewhere minute 9 a low blow basically changes the match into deppen's favor minute 10 of course deppen dominating minute 11 gage hits deppen with a death valley driver onto a door things turn around minute 12 he hits a splash onto deppen on a door uh, minute 14, Deppin gets in referee Scarlett's face, grabs her by the shirt, starts to kind of threaten her. It was a really interesting spot, but of course, he's a heel, he's trying to do heel shit. Minute 16, the pizza cutter comes out. There's a lot of cutting for the next one or two minutes around the ring. That will get us all the way up to minute 20, where gauge code breaker on Deppin basically across the chair's spine first we've all seen the move before it's nasty i still don't know how they do that it looks like so much trouble minute 22 there were heavy chair uh, chair shots onto deppen minute 23 deppen on the door it breaks while he's on it we get fuck that door chance to the broken door and still though our winner nick gage was an avalanche pile driver through a door which was absolutely impressive looking i i don't know man nick gage is producing a lot more work than either of us have expected i just wanted to mention again because here we are with another banger that went almost 30 minutes and uh I'm impressed and I think this run is starting to become more of an impressive
0: run and I think that's what he wanted. Yeah, you are spot on there. I thousand percent agree with you again because this title run and all his defensive defenses have been impressive and way better than I thought this title run would turn after seeing the Moxie match and I'm so happy to see it. This was he held his own with Tony Deppen. Tony Deppen, of course, wants to keep the speed up and use his asshole antics and get underneath the uh, Nick Gage's skin, and he definitely did that during this match. And I think it was just incredible on both. Tony got incredible heat. Nick Gage, obviously the king of the fucking UCC Center, they always pop for him. He's very beloved there, and they just were all for Nick Gage letting Tony have it at every single second of this match. And I loved how, like, yeah, Tony's trying to stay away from all the fuckery. Nick Gage is like, nope, this is my world. We are doing it. And um, Tony Deppen, yeah, getting busted open, bleeding, and all that stuff. I thought this was fantastic. I thought this was going to be the one for Tony. I, I don't want to see Nick Gage's title run end, especially when he's looking as awesome as he is right now. But I just wonder how many more chances Tony's going to get because it's been... He went for years not having one and having two within five months, six months of uh, of shows and losing them both. I think, uh, I don't know what it's going to take for him to kind of get back into a title scene. Maybe this was kind of his last chance and maybe because of Ring of Honor and AEW, this, like, maybe that's why they didn't want to put the belt on him, obviously, so... Um, I'm just kind of hoping we still see a lot more of Tony Deppin with the whole Ring of Honor and AEW stuff because he's been doing incredible work, especially as of late. But I love this whole championship match as you as you kind of have in your notes. So it says. The championship pace, like yeah, this was this had a yeah. big fight feel, and everybody played their parts perfectly. I loved having Scarlett Donovan too as a as a referee because that's just a perfect foil for Tony to mess with and get easy cheap heat as well, using her as a kind of a way to distract from what's happening in the ring, and I I loved it. I this was great, great ending for a great show, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, if you took
1: out the violence, this would be a fantastic pace that triple h would have in a match 20 years ago i really thought it was done well and i really have nothing but high praise for the amount of effort that's being put in on this nick gage run because it just seems like there's a lot of effort being put in there to make this last run special and almost if not every match with every one of nick gage's opponents has been special this 26 minute almost 27 minute match really was special now i'm happy that nick gage won but i almost didn't care who won at some points because again it was just so damn good it, it didn't matter and if it's a real big banger i'm not worried because i know i'll see it again then probably if, if we're lucky yeah um, that's all I have to say about that, dude. It was fantastic.
0: Yes, I would love to see Tony kind of get his flowers, his moment of everything he's done for GCW and become the champion. Mm-hmm. But I am not ready for this Nick Gage run to end if he's, like I said, he's looking fantastic. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, it's awesome. I'm loving all this, this run. And as we kind of talked about when he became champion, we kind of want to see him. Kind of mix it up and go against the newer talent while also, as one last hurrah, go against a Matt Tremont or go against a Tony Deppin and stuff like that. I kind of like how they've kind of done the Nick Gage, Leo Rush, something we've never seen, and Nick Gage and Tony Deppin, which we've seen. And I'm just kind of interested. I hope they kind of keep on playing it back and forth of new, ta- new talent that he's never gone against and older talent that he has. And I'm surprised he's defended it three times since October, to be honest with you. and I'm all for it. once a month. Once a month you defend it, I'm all for it. It's fine, at least. And even when he's not defending it at these shows, he's still showing up and cutting the promos and showing off the championship. So that belt is always at these shows and you just never know what that belts around, what could happen with it. And with this uh new Year's show coming up, that could also be why they didn't really announce a, a future opponent for Nick Gage after Tony Deppin, because on uh, new year's we have that do or die rumble to decide who the next contender is for, I'm guessing the world title. I can't remember if it was for the world title or for any title they wanted to, but um, I'm interested to see now what this rumble who comes out of it and who is Nick Gage's next opponent because I going into 2023 the way they're ending 2022 the lot of like we're getting we're getting everything we asked for we want storylines and with the Tony Depp and Nick Gage match and story kind of being done Nick Gage is waiting for the next opponent I'm very interested to see who they decide is going to be the next uh challenger for the belt and to see what happens because Nick Gage is on top of his game and like, I don't want to see this title run in.
1: <laughs> Dude, there's something I wanted to talk about because I find it interesting. Are you noticing Tony's heel characters going
0: darker and darker? I think he was doing it because he had to step it up against Nick Gage. That's a good point. That's, That's a real good point. I, hadn't I didn't think about it. that. Yes. Where it's kind of being not the so fun, ha kind of shit. It's the more, no. Get the fuck out of my face. I don't like you all. The like, more serious, as you said, a darker, like it's a more serious kind of menace that he's doing now instead of the lightheartedness. And I thought he was doing it just to kind of step up his game for the Nick Age. That's what I was seeing. And that's what I thought.
1: And I'm also with you on the fact that I, I think he's on his way to ROH or AEW eventually here shortly. And... I will go on record saying I 100% think he thinks he deserves it. I think he deserves it. And I hope that he goes far because I think he's been working his ass off a long time. It shows in the ring. And I hope he gets the payoff for that. He's got a young family. I have a family. You have a family. We get what that means. So uh, we we do hope the best for him. and, And we're really pushing for him to go forward and farther.
0: Yeah, seeing him on AW or what? Well, Ring of Honor Final Battle in the stand in the crowd and like sitting in the front row during the pure match. I think it was during the pure match. Like that was so cool. That was like one of those NXT moments where like, hey, like we got this one. You you might not know or you might know of him, but he's about to debut for us. And obviously he's a big deal. He's getting camera time. So him and Trent Seven mm-hmm. kind of got the same, kind of got the same uh thing, the same camera angles can't shot and stuff like that during the match, so I think him being kind of even compared to Trent Seven who just had, he's been on AEW twice, I think that's so positive and so good for Tony, and I think that means they might be doing something with him in the Ring of Honor Pure Division, which I'm glad that he's not just going to be there and kind of be the gatekeeper and help get all these new talent over. It sounds like maybe he will be pushing Wheeler Yuta or Daniel Garcia for the Pure title, and I would love to see it because... Tony Deppin can hold his own with either one of those two and put on an incredible fucking match. And I just would want to see Tony being storylines as well in Ring of Honor instead of, like I said, being the opening match, the gatekeeper, and putting other people over. It means that they're going to use him seriously and treat him as a talent and a like incredible talent that he is. And they respect him like how we do. So I think that's so awesome and it's so cool for him to get that kind of uh, on screen time for uh, Ring of Honor and that will lead us into the dark match of the evening i loved how you called it the dark match too because someone else on twitter called like when i was like not time for vikingos I was like enjoy the dark match because it's wasn't yeah, televised yeah. so i'll just kind of give a quick one i didn't really take notes i did take video but then uh because i was in california and i don't know my directions i needed to save some battery time to uh get to the hotel <laughs> so i did it i recorded a good chunk of this match and um it was good. I, I don't think it was a great match, unfortunately. And I don't think, I don't know the reason that they made it so short too. But El uh, Hijo del Vikingo goes against Blake Christian. As I said, this was not on Fight TV. This was just for uh, fans in attendance only. And this was kind of the big reason my wife bought me tickets uh, to, I've been, begging for Vikingo for two years ever since I saw ever since I started GCW real fast. I found out about Vikingo pretty much at the same time. And I've always wanted those two to be put together. Now that we get it, um I've been wanting to go to the show. My wife got me tickets. So I'm very thankful for her for that um as well. Also real fast you just go off my wife I want to make a point. She doesn't give two shits about wrestling as a whole But for GCW, she loves GCW wrestling. I mean, we go, we've gone to all these different places around the country to see GCW. She's been right there with me and having the time of her life at the show. So she does care about GCW wrestling, just not any other form of wrestling as well. But I was kind of hoping they would get more than eight minutes. I and it ended like at eleven. I want to say forty three. So I don't understand like why it was so short. It can't be because of time of the venue unless they're trying to get everyone out by 12, which was not happening anyway, because of all the stuff that happens after the show, the merch tables and stuff like that. So um this was a very small tease, I think, of what we could well I would say see from Vikingo and GCW, but the only way uh we're gonna be seeing any Vikingo in GCW if is if you go to the shows live as Brett said, so none of these matches that Vikingo have will be televised, but I will just say this out there for anyone. Keep an eye out. There might be a time where like, they are allowed to show this footage on GCW programming because the camera crews were out there and they did videotape the entire time. So okay, that okay. kind of gives... Uh, I just want to give a little hope out there to everyone. It sounds like maybe they could still... There is room for an agreement to be made or maybe some time to pass where they could show this match um, on Fight TV Plus because they were out there recording it still.
1: But now, I wonder... I, I'm just kind of wondering if that kind of a setup may slowly be the future of, of how wrestling contracts are drawn up oh, because that allows, I know, right. Because it's kind of fucking weird, but at the same time, it holds you hostage to go see a show live, which is good and bad. Yeah. If you think about it, but you know, it's like the whole thing where, you know, Hulk Hogan was only on pay-per-views at one point. So it's like, you know, you had to shell out money at home or you had to shell out money in the stands just to see him. And this is a win for for Game Changer Wrestling from a, from a live perspective, but they do kind of lose a little bit, you know, and, and I know they can't do shit about it. So let me say this. I want to just say that I respect the fact that even on a limited basis, they're still delivering Vikingo to
0: us. Yeah, I am glad I got to... Obviously, I, if I didn't go to the show, I wasn't going to see Vikingo. So um, I'm ultimately glad I went. I just think you can't praise... Bring in Vikingo to GCW. I, I hate to say this, uh, as much as they did. Like it came out. Look what we did. We got America's most wanted. We got America's most wanted independent wrestler in Mexico to come into our show. Look how awesome we are. But you can't watch it and stream it. I just think they need to cool down a little bit. Where it's awesome. You got us. Got him for the fans, and you're going to give the fans what they want. But I think it's such a archaic move, of and it's not GCW's fault. It's such an archaic move of Triple Triple not letting them showcase Vikingo on GCW Fight TV Plus. I think I and I, I I I think they're shooting themselves in the foot. You show Vikingo on GCW on Fight TV Plus. You know how many more fans are more likely now to go out of their way that have never heard of Vikingo before, but you get to see the awesome. F- Awesome movesets, the the look, the presentation, and how good he is in the ring, especially with someone against Blake Christian. How many of those people will now go out of their way to go catch a triple AR show that they never would have before? I think it's uh-huh. they're shooting themselves in the foot. Like, and I hate that GCW is even put in this situation where I think it is giant that they got him, but I think it just sucks that you won't be able to see him unless you pay the money for it so and see it live in person because like if this was in ac i'm not i unfortunately i'm not going to ac to go see vikingo and that sucks for right i mean right. like how this sucks for all the ac fans like so you're you're alienating your live fan base and your fan base that watches on fight tv plus and i think it's just real shitty and hopefully a triple could kind of Come up with some sort of agreement. Like I said, maybe it's in the works as they did videotape it and we could see it because this match was a teaser and we didn't get to see a great match. It was a lot of more Vikingo kind of showing off what he can do in the ring against Blake Christian. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wish it was more back and forth from in person. It was just more of Vikingo doing the cool moves and Blake Christian being there to kind of sell it and to catch him and stuff like that. But Blake Christian did get a couple moments as he normally does in his matches and got to do the springboard 450s and stuff like that. And the, um, the Fosbury flop and stuff on to Vikingo, which was cool seeing Blake Christian kind of get that opportunity, especially for GCW, that first crack at, uh, Vikingo. But I just really wish this was match was longer and televised for everyone at home because I think for a teaser this would have been a lot this would have left a lot more people wondering what more Vikingo has in his playbook because he he has a lot of tremendous moveset or a lot of tremendous moves in his moveset that I think a lot of people especially GCW fans will fall in love with real fast and want to go check him out in other companies so hopefully that footage will be released so that way everybody could check it out but ultimately I'm not going to say it was a great match but I said it was the appetizer of what could possibly come if we uh, or if you spot catch them at a GCW show uh, live and in person. But the good news is they are announcing him for like, I think it was like Charlotte they announced him for. So it's cool that yeah, they yeah. do seem to have plans and a kind of agreement that they are going to be using them more and around the country. So you will have your chance at least to see Vikingo, go, but live and in person only so. I guess that's a give or take where that's that's not bad, though. If you think about it, man, that's going to bring
1: people out there. And they did not do it on purpose. They're making chicken salad out of the chicken shit situation that AAA gave them. But I'm personally, I'm so damn happy that they can get him over here and that he's working. It's great. Like, I'm so happy to hear you got to see him. I'm happy, Uh, you know what I mean? And the match, the match to me was short, but it was good for what they did. I see the potential and I'm really surprised, but I'm almost not surprised that they pick Blake as the opponent. But I think that's because it was more of a dark match.
0: And I think if they, I I feel kind of bad for Blake. I wish this was given 15, 20 minutes to kind of see how great both of them are. Because 15 would have been great. Cause just to see how great Blake is as well. So I think this was, he's a great wrestler and he goes with anybody Blake does. And I think that was a smart move to put him against uh Vikingo and still make him look really good because Blake is that good to make other people look good. Um, just kind of going back though. Like I don't what. okay. Let's say someone in Charlotte, if I don't know Vikingo. What is going to make me want to go out of my way to go get a ticket to GCW show to watch a Vikingo match? Not i would like- just consider it bonus
1: i i would consider yeah. it bonus i think the only real expense is really on gcw they're taking the chance and um it's sold out ucc yeah I mean, so going, i'm obviously. curious to see how it'll go on the east coast that's my curiosity that's- also they're going to charlotte which is uh, a well-known wrestling town but it's more like a a local kind of wrestling style generational nonetheless so you know you're in flair country down there they're gonna they're gonna what i'm saying is you're not gonna hear a lot of spanish getting thrown out in the crowd like we heard a lot of spanish in this crowd so i'm gonna be interested but i mean i'd love to hear that this was sold out i just i wonder how vikingo will travel fan wise on the east coast
0: and that's what i was gonna say i hope they kind of work at least an agreement to make a video package to show like hey if you're not going to charlotte here's what Like, here's Vikingo. Here's if you don't know who he is, a little video package that they could promote on GCW to get them new fans to go to the show, to go see Vikingo. Like, I hope they come in some sort of agreement like that, because. Well, their hands are probably tied on that,
1: too, because if you think about it, they're showing video. Yeah, true. So that's why I'm saying. Yeah. And it's only on Triple A's end because I really do respect the fact that, you know, GCW is really trying to get him over here and work their ass off for what little they're allowed to really show him. Yeah. And for AAA to go, oh, well, we don't want American eyes on our, our one of our better products. That is real bullshit. You mean to tell me they couldn't have won over a small chunk of the Southern United States by letting someone like me, who has money, time, and eyeballs to watch wrestling? I'd have loved to have seen what he's capable of. I've actually bought a couple AAA shows. So, I mean, for me... Yeah, I really would have appreciated it. I think I think they did the best they could. And um look, I'll I'll take CM Punk on one on one leg if I have to with some of these performers, you know? So in all means necessary for me. That's that's where I'm at on this situation. So if they put the effort into it, I 100% appreciate it. They put a lot of money into getting him here and now they're not able to broadcast him on TV, which I feel for GCW, that's rough, man.
0: Yeah, like I said, I And you know I remember being in their Twitter spaces when they were having them way more often. I wish they would kind of still do that because I loved being in there. Just They wouldn't even talk about wrestling. They'd be talking about like other shit, like wrestling conspiracy. It was just cool. Like Come like, back. I loved the Twitter space. I was like, oh, there's a Twitter space. I didn't care what time of night it was. I stayed up and listened to it all. But I remember being in those spaces and doing first signing up for Patreon. and Like, hey, the mailbag. When's Vikingo coming? When's Vikingo coming? It's like, dude, we want him. We want him. I'm like, <laughs> These the issues. I'm like, okay. And then you finally get him. And then to be handcuffed like that, it just sucks. Like, I feel so bad for Brett. Because like I said, I as you said too. He put so much he, effort he put into so this. so much effort into getting him. I mean, they did an angle at Triple... Triple... triple oh, my God. Triple A. Uh, triple Mania. They did a whole angle backstage of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, they obviously have some trust there. I just... I mean, Brett's done so good for like Commander and um some of these other uh lucha talent that didn't have any name value until they showed up to GCW and then look what GCW did for those competitors and now when those competitors go back to AAA or whatever their home promotion or home country is and work shows there they're at a whole another level their popularity is at another level which brings more yeah, views and yeah. stuff. like I just feel like there's Brett, GCW and Brett could do so much for Vikingo and AAA where I just I just wish that he was able to do what he wanted to because I know yeah, he probably yeah, had allowed, crazy plans yeah. exactly exactly he probably had a lot of crazy plans he wanted to execute with Vikingo but now because of This it might be handcuffed and what he is allowed to do and what he's not, which I think could really hurt. Uh not hurt, I guess, but just disappointing to me as a fan of both. That I wasn't able to kind of I was at least able to see Vikingo ultimately, but I just wish more people were able to see how cool Vikingo is and how uh, awesome and the stuff that I like from I wish people more people on Fight TV Plus could see that as well. And that will lead us into our memorable moments of the night. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's scratched. do something memorable here. We str- scratched and clawed our way to the end here. Um, I could go first if you want, just because like I don't have that many. Like it was awesome. Yeah, the sure. atmosphere was awesome. The card was great. I love the action. I love how they gave us Lucha, they gave us WWE style, was Cardona. We got the women's triple threat match, which was way better than I expected it would end up. We got to see Tony Depp and Nick Gage. We got to see a 40-foot, 300-pound snake, however big the snake was. <laughs> this was a very memorable show. And like I said, uh great way to end the year off, I think, heading into New Year's. And just, if anything, go check out the six-man Lucha uh, Lucha Lucha trios match you will not be yeah. disappointed especially if you're a lucha fan because gringo loco los vipers Arez, asf commander they put on the performance of the night for me and i think if you are a gcw or any sort of wrestling fan you would be happy to check that match out
1: okay so i have a feeling that i'm going to echo you on a lot of things because well those things stuck out more um This was a fantastic GCW-style opener. That six-man scramble was fantastic. It was full of young talent, a lot of promising talent, and they were out there doing what they do best. The six-man tag team, Gringo Loco and Los Vipers versus uh, Ares, uh, ASF, and Commander. Fantastic match. I wrote it here because I do think this very well may be the scramble, or sorry, the tag team match of the year, or damn close to it. It's, It's up there. Same thing, Janela with a large snake. That was interesting. And uh we've heard stories. It's nice to see it now. <laughs> Charles Mason and his mind games. I'm a big fan. I love it. I think it is see that joke's finally hit you now. Don't worry, I'll be going out there in February. There'll be two large snakes. Fantastic main event is uh what I all what I also want to mention because it really was a hell of a lot better then see i keep saying this because my my bar on gage is i can't come fuck okay stop laughing and then i'll stop laughing see he's muted he has a chance to really he has a chance to just chuckle away while i'm over here trying to do some real work um no it was really a fantastic main event i think nick gage is really delivering a hell of a lot more than we had expected him to deliver And I think that's fantastic. I think a lot of that's reflected of the hard work he's been putting in outside the ring. And God bless him for doing all of that and making his dreams still come true in the twilight of his career. So that's what I have to say. Those
0: are my memorable moments. And you say Twilight, I don't see any that, that light looks like it's far away right now where he's, nah, he could go like I'm, that's I think If he stays away from death matches, he may have two or three years left on him. Yeah. No lie. No lie. I Like I said, that I think for me, the story of the year is how well he's came back and is showing yeah. the same Nick fucking age, the king, the god of this shit that we all fell in love with. And like, yeah, I am, like I said, I do when he won, I was thinking at least once a month, and it's he won it in October. It's been three title defenses, I think. Leo Rush, um, Cole Radrick, and Tony Deppin, Deppin, Deppin in three months. Deppin, so I'm yeah. all for it. He shows up at every single show. Still does cuts the little promo, sets up a future match. Boom, bang. Done. Everybody happy. We got our Nick Gage. He's healthy. He can sit there and take time off before we get ready for the next match while promoting the opponent and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I'm all for the story of the year being Nick Gage and GCW because that's I'm glad I'm seeing this version of Nick Gage that I was scared we wouldn't be seeing after the last couple matches. All right, so that will be it for episode 38, GCW, America's Most Wanted. So we will hammer out details here of episode thirty nine and maybe we could see what happens if we could get it out before Christmas or shortly after Christmas. Mm-hmm. Episode thirty nine we'll have to call dude, it. Dude, I'm ready uh, if PC dude WCW if no
1: one wants day. to speak. Dude, if no one was asleep at my house, we'd be drafting right fucking now. Like, I'm so excited to see who I get on I, my roster.
0: I kind of started feeling like that way, too, before we started recording, putting my lineup together here. I'm like, oh, my God, if this asshole gets this guy, I'm going to be mad. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, episode 39 oh. will be our draft. We'll be drafting some CW <laughs> rosters and uh, just talking about it, having fun with it. It'll be no review on that night. And then our episode 40 um, will right be right before New Year's is what I'm kind of hoping for and guessing. So that way we can maybe put together our drafted uh, rosters for GCW. We're going to create our own little gcw super show with our rosters that we created kind of talk about and everything and then we will also preview the new year's weekend that gcw has on new year's eve and new year's day and that will close this out for 40 episodes this year in six months of uh six months bones of so, no, Fucking five, boom. Months, yeah, five months of work it seems like but that's what we kind of have in place and that's the plan for the before the end of the year so keep an eye on our socials uh at john j wolf on twitter and myself at gcw plant podcast uh for maybe possible times and when we start nailing down the dates of when we're going to record it and post this because yeah we're looking forward to these fun fun episodes they'll be a little different and we would like feedback to see if the you would like that and we're thinking of stuff to do in between uh shows of weeks that gcw hasn't had a show it's kind of like little filler shows we're thinking of doing like this draft our dream matches and shows and then we'll go back and review uh, a past show that we thought was very interesting and we got a bunch of stuff uh coming up in the works in 2023 as well
1: okay so for anybody who's listening this deep in yeah basically what's going on here i'll give you kind of a sneak preview of what's going on in this next coming year, we're going to be doing a lot of investing in audio and making sure that we get our uh, our podcast up to a more um, listenable level and in more of a place where we can give you a better quality product. So look forward to that. Look forward also that, yeah, we will be putting some extra shows in there so that they're Is content for fans like you who may want to listen to strictly the shows maybe you want to listen to um, just the reviews some people may want to hear us dicking off having a good time doing our draft who knows but yeah in the pipeline in my world i'd like to eventually see us get to a point to where we're doing some of these past shows because they are available on fight tv for everyone who does have that 4.99 a month which means if somebody may want to We may be able to sit down and watch one and do a watch along and anybody who wants to can do it along with us or they could just catch the recording on it. Um, But those things are there. And again, if anybody's this deep into listening still, I'm going to probably mention this on the beginning of one of our next official podcasts, like the next show that we have but we've been getting a fuck ton of support from now gcw and a lot of their sister brother companies and performers and um we're really thankful for it and i don't have anything prepared to say or anything like that but we're starting to slowly be recognized and it's a lot of hard work that we do and it's appreciated so I just wanted to kind of stick this on the end for anyone who does really listen that that number one, we do appreciate it. Number two, people are listening and we do know this. We are now being listened to on every continent, but Antarctica at this point. So we are worldwide and people do share our love of GCW. Again, we're just fans. You hear how imperfect I can be. That's okay. Nobody is perfect.
0: You hear all the rambling that I do and definitely not perfect as well
1: it happens it happens so yeah we just just, we we do this for fun we do this for fun yeah he pees himself every now and then if we get if we get to uh we have to calm him down every now and then yeah (laughs) the jug uh yeah 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 so he fills up these jugs and he sends them to piss guy and that's what he's drinking i just wanted to let you know yeah he's he's drinking he's drinking podcast piss so (laughs)
0: Yeah, anyway, we have a lot of fun stuff coming up, a lot of plans, and um, yeah, I also want to echo that. Thank you, GCW, thank you, Brett, or whoever's in charge of the Twitter and everyone else that's also retweeting, liking our stuff, and interacting like that. Thank you, that, yeah, yeah, that's incredible. That, That just moves me, and it shows like, hey, what we're doing here is not only just for us having fun and bullshitting it, but it also means that other people are enjoying it, so that does make it feel a lot more worthwhile whenever we do these and to all of you that, like I said, even like us, follow us, you retweet it. you give us like feedback? We appreciate it. But as you said, GCW now doing, it's kind of been super incredible. That kind of uh, is a good way for me to end the year off is kind of knowing that they are aware of us and listening and, at least agree with us enough and kind of enjoy and support yeah. we're doing enough to retweet it out there for all the other GCW fans. Cause yeah, we just did this for fun. We're not affiliated with GCW at all. Other than just not yet. It would you know, be no, nice. Would be cool,
1: Give yeah. us love, dude. Well, we're still learning though. We have a lot of learn. Uh, we have a lot to learn. We have a lot of love. And like I said, we're just getting audio things up. We're going to eventually get video things up. So yeah, there's, there's a lot coming ahead. It's just a matter of getting it all done. And for less than, you know, less than a year to have this much going on is fantastic. And like I said, as soon as I get a chance, I'm going to say hi to some of these talents that we've been fortunate enough to meet and uh, hopefully just say hi to Brett and maybe just get a, a howdy hello and a thank you. And maybe we can give a howdy hello and a thank you back to him because we've, we've benefited so much from his product.
0: Yeah, thank and, you. And all like, yeah, those numbers that we I send you of all of the listeners, it's been <laughs> crazy ride. It just seems like, oh, we hit this many and holy shit, we hit this many. And I'm like, what the hell? In one week, we just did a whole month of stuff and we didn't even release anything. So uh, it's just been incredible seeing the support and it is very much appreciated. Uh, I'm going to throw a new goal out there, though. I'm going to put you guys all to the challenge here. Here's my new goal. Well, my new goal is just to get to 100 listens when I first started. Now we're at uh, 1,800 listens with three hundred of those coming in in the last few days so that's kind of incredible see so our new challenges for the year 2023 i would like to get 200 and or 2023 listens to uh end the year off right and start us off correctly in going into 2023 we're 220 away at the moment which is ooh, that's uh, very doable yeah especially with doable especially the support that the listeners out there have been uh given us lately with the listens and everything retweet it out when you see it uh spread the word just like how we are try to get a lot more people on this GCW bandwagon cuz going into 2023 with everything that they've done to close off this year i am ecstatic to see what's in store for 2023 and where GCW goes from here cuz it just seems like every show once again they're hitting it out of the park and I'm glad that, as you said, they're providing us with this entertainment and letting us kind of enjoy it as they are providing it. And it's incredible out there. So please spread the word of our podcast. Spread the word for GCW. Keep on showing the love and let's try to get this goal before 2023 on beat yeah <laughs> uh-huh go on behalf ahead. of myself uh-huh. and one mr like you didn't even go heel tonight i can't even say
1: heel tonight. no no heel man honestly like i said i think what it is is i'm just really like besides being a little tired i just feel really upbeat and i don't have much negative to say i think the la show was was good and i see your points on some things that you know need to be changed or you'd like to see different very and yeah and 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 you know that's the great part it's very minor stuff Mm -hmm. if at that i was used to you know i'm sitting here going well you know if they don't have her acknowledge the crowd enough like that's really fucking Manute, yeah uh, yeah so so i don't really have any complaints i got to see peril come out you know you got to see vakingo which was That's, a couple year goals yes. so i'm so happy you got to do that thank you
0: yes all oh. big thank you to my wife out there as well and uh my son for letting me go to gcw shows oh yeah i forgot i had all this uh, written out what did it say real fast before i let out i just want to say a big thank you to obviously this was my ninth show of the year great fucking year so many experiences all because of GCW, the roster, Brett, everything. Uh, obviously big thank you to my wife and my son for going with me to these shows. Let me go experience GCW just this year alone. Yeah. Nine shows. We've been to St. Louis, we to LA, been to New York and we never been to any of these shows. So just to go out there and to experience that for GCW, all because of GCW wrestling and everything. It's just been awesome. And, uh, just, yeah, one big thank you to Brett, GCW in the locker room providing the best wrestling entertainment experiences there are and for letting us be uh, be little plants to go out there and show the support at all these shows so thank you to everyone out there big thank you as well John for uh, stepping up and joining this podcast because obviously without me or without you there there would be no me out here getting all this stuff
1: you have been still, still a crazy story how yeah. all that worked you just you stumbled right and i stumbled right that's all i can really say about it
0: as we sat five minutes away from each other tweeting each other probably at that gcw show of hey yeah we sh- i want to start a gcw podcast anyone else out there and you five seats away from me oh yeah let's do it and we had no idea so no it's fucking idea <laughs> and then we're only minutes away from each other which
1: again you could have been across the country somewhere yep and i still agreed and then we're like oh wait a minute minute I'm gonna go to this show well I'm only this far well I'm only this far wait a minute now what (laughs) exit are you off of and yeah and and we're even off of the same exit yeah so it's like Jesus okay (laughs) but yeah that's it's yeah a lot of gratitude I maybe should think about um probably at the last show I'm gonna make sure at the very beginning of it I'll I'll say something so that you know it's one of the first things out because it is probably going to be the most important thing I say you know, that whole time is just giving thanks.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to so. give it now because it's still in the same notes that I wrote for uh, the show. So if I delete it, yeah. all, I'll forget it and never give out those thank yous and some my GCW, my family and everything. And to you as oh. well. So I uh, just wanted to get that out there now before I forgot.
1: No, you're, you're right. And the other thing I was going to say to people who are listening out there, happy freaking
0: holidays.
1: Yes. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy others. I've gotten old enough now that I realize it really is about the people enjoy your time make memories because uh they'll always be there
0: yes and thanks to gcw i have so many memories this year and like it's it's fucking insane just to be able to say i saw i got to see the freaking arch i've been to hammerstein i've been to yes been to Times square just because of gcw so yeah i just want to give out this thank you to everybody out there that is uh out there with us listening supporting providing the entertainment you listening to my bullshit so uh
1: yeah, we year. like bullshit. I give bullshit, you give <laughs> bullshit. We love it.
0: We shovel it together. Yes, it's been a fun <laughs> year. I can't wait to destroy you in this draft here. And uh, <laughs> end the year off right and go into- You want to run, run a mock
1: 10-10? No, I'll no. tell you why. I couldn't because that's giving away the poker face. Okay,
0: here's my 10. Uh, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I wouldn't even say it. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I had my 10 already for you. We had- uh, let's see, Yeah, yeah, right yeah. On the show one time. Yeah, I, uh, my, my 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 first pick was going to be early morning guy steal. Like, I could yeah, pick him. Wow, no, I you just, know, just gave away my mm, number one overall. Mm, Damn. See, and I had you going for Marco
1: Stunt. Shit, now I got to switch it up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, yeah, I think this will be fun to go over, and once rosters are kind of figured out, then we'll go from there. But I mean, I even took each one of the performers, and I kind of put in like little parentheses. You know two or three things that i describe of them like nick wayne i put future young looks good for tv you know effie i put gay staple um highly um highly reliable entertaining you know speedball mike bailey good smile highly talented so i kind of you know
0: All right i'll give you my second pick only then we're gonna cut it off here okay uh uh-huh. uh uh-huh. yeah. yeah, my second pick. <laughs> I can
1: see the bullshit in your face. What are you talking even...
0: about? Uh-huh. This is a legend in our business. I am oh, taking in with the second pick. Action I... Mike Jackson. No, I am going with Maven. <laughs> Like Maven. Oh easier. yeah. Who are, yeah. who are you gonna to provide to me that eliminated the Undertaker in a Royal Rumble? Ouch. Exactly. That's Ouch. my. That's point funny. Right that
1: is. That's funny. That's funny. Right.
0: The there. draft will be fun. We're gonna have fun with it. It'll be a totally different show. Oh, and I can't wait. We to-
1: forgot. We forgot to talk about the fun part of the draft where we're going to have oh, one yeah. surprise entrant from anywhere in any company. They're going to show up and they're going to show out. Oh, so one while we card. don't know who that is. One wild card across the board. They have to be living, correct? Yes. OK, the only rule so far has been they have to be living.
0: <laughs> oh, um, I, they don't have to do much. If never mind, I'm not going to say what else. That's say. true. That's true. It's like, it's like Rick Sair, to you voice. know, well, I, say a name that, uh, I don't want to say a name. I'll keep my yeah,
1: so. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, those those are those are a couple of our small rules that we've broken down over this time. But yeah, I'm, I'm ready to I'm ready to see what my shit's going to look like. I think I have a fantastic card. Yes. <laughs> I'm,
0: gonna, I'm gonna have a great card. I feel good. I'm not even working on my card yet until I get the wrestlers.
1: <laughs> but nope, 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 nope. I'm just I'm just seeing that of the choices I have, I can put together some fantastic matches. So.
0: It's going I'm to be a forward one. to it. That will be on episode thirty nine. So once again, where I was before, I wanted to give the thank you <laughs> five minutes ago because I ramble all the time.
1: Hey, oh. I did too though. It was for a good cause. Nope, nope. See, you were ready to leave there. We're not ready to leave. What are you talking? Okay, now
0: I'm ready. Okay, you're ready. Ready. ready to get it right for once too. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm tired, Loopy. I guess at this point. All right. On behalf of myself and Mister John J Wolf, ooh, ooh, long. <laughs> live g-, g-, g c w dub w- dub
1: w-